With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy, on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. That's right, folks. You are listening to the one, the only Gecko Nation Radio. Today is May 11th, 2014, and uh, I guess the saying for today is, "Word to your mom." <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, everybody, um, and to all the people that uh, whose mothers have passed on. Of course, um, I hope your day was good, and you know, it's a special day. Our mothers are very special people. They love us unconditionally, and uh, I don't know. They Definitely deserve this day. I hope you guys had a good one today. Um, I guess tonight is going to be the cherry on top of a really beautiful day. The weather was great. We have an awesome guest with us tonight. We have Brian Barcheck from BHB Reptiles and Snake Bites TV. If you guys don't know Brian uh, in the reptile community, you've definitely been living under a rock with some corn snakes somewhere. Um, Brian is a basically a self-made man. He's He's an example of someone that has taken this as far as you can pretty much go. And there seems to be no end to the direction that he's heading in. Now, this is something that, you know, I mean, of course we encourage everybody to follow their dreams. Um, This is, it's difficult to get that big and to get this, you know, that far into the industry and the community in general and, Basically, to become one of the largest breeding operations in the world takes stamina, endurance, motivation, and above all else, it takes a true love for these animals. In fact, you can't, you wouldn't be able to get, I don't know, a quarter of the way that he's gotten if you didn't truly have this in your blood. Um, So we're going to talk to Brian tonight about that. We're going to talk about his history. Uh, We're going to touch on a bunch of different uh, topics with him, and of course, we're going to find out why he's all of a sudden addicted to leopard geckos. You guys know why he's addicted. I know why he's addicted. But let's hear it from him. All right? If you're listening to this show, you know you're addicted to leopard geckos. So, uh, well, I guess it was only a matter of time for Brian to get hooked on him, too. So, <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. Well, guys, as you know, Gecko Nation Radio would not be possible without its amazing sponsors. Let's take a minute and check out some of them, and we'll hear from the rest of them at the mid-show break. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Ohio Gecko is famous for amazing tangerines, snows, and other very unique leopard gecko projects. 
Thad also has some incredible fat tail morphs available from stingers to starbursts. Visit him online at ohiogecko.com and at expos in the Northeast. He is also the owner of geckoforums.net. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Supreme Gecko is a great source for crested geckos, day geckos, and other species, including micro geckos. Wally Kern is a top-notch breeder and gecko enthusiast. Visit supremegecko.com for his available animals and supplies. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. All right, folks, and I have a couple quick announcements to make from our sponsors. Uh, we have some cool uh, promotional discounts going on until the end of May. Uh, number one, uh, well, this is uh, avdragons.com always has this promotion going. Use the word gecko at checkout, and you're going to get 5% off your order. Um, they sell dubia roaches and, of course, FlexY heat tape. So if you guys need any of those things, um, use the code, and uh, it's all in caps, of course, and you're going to get your discount. Also, Rainbow Mealworms is giving 30% off, guys. That's huge. 30% off mealworms and superworms uh, and giant mealworms. We don't really use the giants for the leopard geckos, but the big discount available for that too. Use the term, the word Gecko Nation, all in caps, at checkout. It's good for two orders until the end of uh, May. Okay. Uh, and last but not least, Reptiles Express, uh, the best shipping company. Uh, they're offering a 10% off any order of $40 uh, or more, and you can use it twice. Okay. So you can use that for supplies or on a shipment. It's up to you. Okay, so and the the word for that is Gecko Nation 10, all in caps. All right, folks. Okay, uh, one last thing before we uh, bring on Brian is, um, you know, the, this show is a very diverse show. We touch on all different aspects of herpetoculture. We do have a special fondness for geckos and especially leopard geckos, and um, we want to just make everyone aware that if you're listening to the show, you're likely fascinated by these animals, and you definitely need to check out this if you are hooked on geckos. Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show 
associated with Gecko Forums. Herpentime Radio is my inspiration for GNR. Justin and JD do a terrific show every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern and have an amazing archive of shows available for download. Visit them at blogtalkradio.com slash herpentime and on Facebook. Okay, folks, we are back. And uh, my guest really needs no introduction. He's huge. He's done so much in the world of herpeticulture and is basically on just right, he's riding a wave that just seems to get bigger and bigger. And uh, it's, it's, it's just a great honor to have him on with us tonight. Um, Mr. Brian Barczyk from BHP Reptiles and Snake Bites TV. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a, been a pleasure to come on. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously as I transition into the four-legged world of reptiles, <laughs> it's, uh, it's something <laughs> I've been following uh, with you guys. So, so thank you so much for having me on. Oh, Brian, thank you for giving us uh, some time of your, from your evening, evening tonight. It's, like I said, it's, it's, it's absolutely great to have you with us. Um, I've been hoping to have you on for a while now, so it, it is a great thing. Um, for, for people that don't really know who you are, and I know that's very few people out there, why don't we take a, a few minutes to you know, just uh, enlighten them and give us a little bit of a history of who you are and what you're doing? Okay. Well, yeah, well, you know, gosh, there's always people finding them, you know, you know, I'm, I'm probably one of the more modest people when it comes to it, so I'm just really blessed, blessed to, to have people that seem to care about what I do, but yeah, you know, obviously I, I've run DHP Reptiles now since 1989, and, and really I was a snake guy more than anything, you know, I've always had a fascination with all animals, not just reptiles, but all animals, and, and certainly one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that I've been working on and off with lizards since I was like 15 years old, so, so you know, I, I bred my first leopard gecko when I was 16 years old, you know, and, and so it's been on and off with that. So, so you know, certainly uh, BHB reptiles is what where my bread is buttered, you know what I mean? I breed reptiles um, for a living, you know, that's what I do. And, and um, but, but over the last uh, six or seven years and probably, you know, it's kind of funny, I've, I've often said that, you know, 10 years ago, if you would have asked people who one of the top breeders was in the country, if you say, hey, who's the top 10? you know, largest collections, I, I probably wouldn't even have got mentioned, even though I probably had the second or third largest collection, because I was really quiet, I was to myself, um, kind of the polar opposite of what I am now, and, and it's, uh, it, it's just my nature, you know, I, I don't really need to be in the spotlight, I don't need accolades, uh, don't get me wrong, I, I really, really appreciate everyone's support, and when people say nice things, of course, I, I, it's very heartwarming, um, as a matter of fact, I start every day of my, my life now, you know, reading Twitter, and, and Facebook messages, and, and it really inspires me to keep pushing forward. But, uh, but you know, six and a half years ago, uh, what really changed my life and the whole direction of life was, you know, we started a web show called Snake Bites TV, and it was basically just, you know, sharing my passion of reptiles with the world, you know, and, I, and, and YouTube was less than a year old at the time, so I had no idea that there was going to be a future in this. And, and, uh, and I didn't know if five people were going to watch or if five million people were going to watch. I had no clue. And, and, um, and, and, and I've told the story many times that uh, I really planned on only doing six to 12 shows. That was what my, my goal was, is I don't do six to 12 shows and be done. You know, this would be fun. And here we are, I think, mm-hmm. 330-something weeks later. So, so anyways, brief synopsis. I run BHB. We have lots and lots of snakes and, and, and now lots of lizards. And, and that part of my life is growing. Um, 
and uh, and then I run Snake Bites TV, and and we're soon, and I hopefully during this this uh, this show we can talk a little bit about my the latest project, which will be Animal Bites TV, which I'm probably more excited about than anything I've ever done in my entire life on the business side of things. So so I'm sure we'll get into that later. But for the people that don't know who I was, um, now you know. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, I definitely want to hear all about Animal Bites. That sounds really exciting, Ryan. Um, yeah. What we do now is uh, we transition into the news segment, and um, sure. our news anchor, Steve, is going to give us uh, a few different news stories. One of those news stories is a fake story. Uh, so you and I and the people in the <laughs> chat room have to figure out which one is fake. All right? Oh, boy. So, uh, okay. Sounds <laughs> fun. All right. Let's go ahead and grab Steve. Good evening, Gekonians. <laughs> there he is. What's up, Steve? <laughs> how's, it, how's it going? Hey, good, Steve. good. Hey, Brian. How's, how's it going? You're going to try to stump us tonight, huh? I'm going to try. <laughs> He's good. Well, I'm pretty He's good, good at it, Brian. It's kind of a yeah. tough week, I think. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm, I'm terrible at this stuff anyway, so I'm sure I'll look like a complete buffoon, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this this first story is just, uh, the title says it all. Colony of killer snakes capable of crushing small children to death on the loose in London. The, oh the title says it all. <laughs> yeah. And I happen to know, can, can I chime in here or no? Yeah, absolutely, Brian. Absolutely. Okay. I actually yeah. saw this story, so I know this is a true story. I actually saw this story, so uh, so, so at least I've got one right. So, so go ahead. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, killer snakes that can crush small children to death are on the loose in Britain. A large Jeez. colony of six foot long. And Brian, you let me know if I'm saying this right. Escalopian. Uh, Escalapian, yeah, but that's... Escalapian snakes, (laughs) which kill their prey by constriction, has been discovered near Regent's Canal in central London. Around 30 of the serpents have been spotted on rooftops and in trees. It is believed one of the fully grown reptiles could kill a small dog the same size as a young child. I just I couldn't believe when I read this. But. Yeah. Oh, lock up, man. Lock up your children. Lock up your children. Lock up your wife. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's a ridiculous story. I mean, I you know, I, I don't. Uh, and this is, is you know it's so funny because the news media so, so oftentimes makes such outlandish uh, things. I, you know what I'd like to know about this story is number one, those snakes couldn't kill a, a chihuahua, let alone anything else. And number two, I'd really? love to know what, what, what kind of numbers are actually out there. Yeah, I mean, they may get six foot, possibly, but they literally get the size around of a corn snake. So if a corn snake mm-hmm. can kill a dog, a mid-sized dog, then I guess these, these can kill dogs, too. But but I've never seen a corn snake that can kill a dog. So so this story <laughs> is, I mean, whoever wrote this story is, is needs to be fired immediately. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> and and you know what? And just the, just the fact that it's going to cause mass hysteria or, or just, you know, make some people lose sleep at night. I think that's a crime in a lot of senses. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, and, and the downside is, and, and I'm sure you guys have ran into this in, in the course of your time with, with, you know, being involved in reptiles, is that 
you know, people really believe the media, you know what I mean? So so I'll, like, go mm-hmm. out and, and someone will be like, oh, you know, Brian Breeds reptiles for a living. And it's always, like, you know, the same thing. Like, oh, really? Why, you know, God, I heard down the Everglades there's a million Burmese pythons. It's, you know, so the point is, is that oftentimes, you know, if the media uh, actually reports something, people just believe it to be true. So I guarantee you that there's a very large part of the, the Lond- Londonians out there that believe that their children are in, in, in some sort of peril with these snakes running around, which is just a, a real shame. And, and unfortunately, the downside is, is that when the truth comes out, they won't report that, or it'll be, you know, this will be on page one, and, and the, the, the actual truth story will be on page 36. So it's, it's really a sad thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I it's agree. Just like, it's just like ball pythons. If I tell someone that I have ball pythons, they immediately think of a 20-foot python you know it's just just immediately that's what they think of oh yeah absolutely yeah you guys are worried about that killing your kids yeah whatever you know but uh you know know, ultimately that's that's our goal isn't it whether it's through your radio show or or you know through my efforts you know to educate the public you know not just that's right i think that you know i not just the people that are into reptiles but people that aren't into reptiles need to educate right you need to do that yeah yeah absolutely all right. All right. What else you got? What else you got? So, we're going to head to <laughs> Sri Lanka, and the title is Attempt to Kill Man with Snake Fails. An attempt by two people to kill a man with a snake in Sri Lanka failed. The, the police said the resident had gone to inspect his private land when the incident occurred. Two men had kidnapped the man, bound his hands and legs, and then forced him into a plastic barrel. The snake was later dropped into the barrel to kill the man. They never say what the snake was, what type. Police said the man fell unconscious after being bitten by the snake, and the two suspects later killed the snake and fled. However, the man who was bitten by the snake recovered consciousness and went to a nearby house to seek help. He was later admitted to the hospital for treatment while the police launched an investigation to arrest the two suspects. That's crazy. Was it a venomous snake? I believe. I hope yeah, so. The or they weren't yeah, too the intelligent. <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to chime in on this one again. Uh, I'm almost positive I read this story as well, so I'm going to say that this one was a true story as well. Am I correct on that? Uh, yeah. Well, oh, you got to wait till the end, Brian. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, okay. I didn't know the rules of this game, so. Uh, but yeah, no, it's I, okay. I, I it's all good. This, I, I read this a little while ago as well about this stuff. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's actually relatively clever, especially in Sri Lanka, where uh, so many snake deaths occur. You know, what I mean, if you if you really look at, you know, the, the numbers are really staggering uh, when when you look at uh, the amount of snake deaths in the world. Or it's like 500,000 people a year die from snake bites. But the truth is, is the majority of them are in Southeast Asia, in Sri Lanka, and India. So um, so if you were gonna, you know think about killing somebody, you know, it would probably be a great place to do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the downside, of course, would be uh, the downside would be if, you know, you had, you know, marks on your hands and arms where you were tied up, that might be a little suspicious. But, um, but yeah, interesting <laughs> story. <laughs> oh, man, this is but funny. Like, like I said, this week it's going to be tough to stump anybody, I think. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> All right, but, our next yeah. story... I'm sure you've heard of this one. Blazers find snake in their locker room. Okay. The yeah, I, I did read it. 
Yeah. The Portland <laughs> Trailblazers found a surprise when they arrived in the visitors' locker room at the Western Conference semifinals against the San Antonio Spurs. Reserve forward Thomas Robinson discovered a snake in his locker a couple of hours before tip-off, spotting it when he placed his shoes in, in the cubby. I was scared, <laughs> said Robinson, who added that he'd only seen snakes on the Discovery Channel. What a shame. <laughs> I ain't going to lie, I was scared. Robinson reacted by screaming and leaping about five feet high and 20 feet back. <laughs> the Blazers thought that it was a rattlesnake, which multiple articles and even the NBA website is reporting still that it was a rattlesnake. But a Spurs official said the snake was determined to be a non, and this article says non-poisonous, Oh yeah, snake. Before being safe, safely released into the wild, um, <laughs> and there's speculation that the San Antonio Spurs planted the snake. The snake. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty good. The snake was black and white, the Spurs colors, and rumor has it that the Spurs shooting guard Danny Green collects snakes. Ah, look at that. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, so that's for, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, again, I read this story as well, and and I thought the same thing. I thought, you know, you know, that would be a great tactic. You know, I mean, um, you know, I, I think there's all kinds of psychological games that go on in in, in the, the professional sports world that people don't know about. And I'm fortunate to have some friends that that are professional athletes, and and um, you know, things like painting the locker room the day of a playoff game, you know, so that when the team goes in, it smells like paint. You know, I mean, just things to throw them off the game. So. <laughs> So I think uh, planting a snake in there is actually a pretty ingenious thing. Now, I would love to know if it's true that if that, that basketball player keeps snakes because uh, I haven't heard that. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's not true because, you know, sometimes these guys are pretty, you know, in the closet about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, Brian, why don't you check your recent sales and see if anybody bought any California King snakes from you? <laughs> yeah, any black and Cal-, Cal Kings that went down to the other game. Yeah, uh, wouldn't that be something? I wish I would have taken that call. Hey, I got a. I need a snake to put into a basketball locker room. <laughs> you know, it's actually kind of funny. Once, and I'm going to stop you here. This news is going to take about two hours with my my anecdotes. But one time, I had a, a, my good friend Brent Burns, who plays for the San Jose Sharks, was flying in um, to play the Red Wings, and and uh, and he was actually bringing me some baby snakes. And he tweeted about it to me. Like, he tweeted at me. He's like, hey, you know, at Snake Bite TV, you know, got your snakes here. And he has this thing. And I kid you not, the next day when they played after the game, I was at the game, you know, and, and then we were, we were going to head down to the locker room after the game. And, and, and so we're in the hallway, and we see up on the TV. Now you can't hear it because, you know, the crowd's there and stuff like that. But we see he's being interviewed, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, he's probably just being interviewed. No big deal. Turns out that after the game, when they, what they were interviewing about was that tweet that he was bringing me snakes. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's funny. So, like, so what's this about you bringing snakes on the team plane to some guy? And uh, uh, so, uh, so yeah, it's kind of funny when that stuff happens. Wow. Well, that's good. Poli- poli- good. That's like better publicity than you know something. Oh yeah, so. he talked really great. And I mean, I, I a couple people, friends of mine, called me after the game and said, like, he even mentioned BHB reptiles. And he's like, yeah, my good friend at BHB reptiles. So it's uh, you know, he's all, but he's a great guy. I mean, he's always. Uh, uh, you know, a big, big advocate for this for the snake industry, which is really good. You know, we need more people like him. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right, Steve, awesome. what else you got for us? All right. In, let's see, where am I? Pineville, Kentucky. George Snedden, Frank Tyler, and John Lunsford are charged with burglary and conspiracy to commit burglary when they were arrested after they broke into a Pineville, Kentucky home and stole more than $5,000 worth of pythons. Ten snakes were taken. All were, were returned to the owner. The suspects could serve up to five years in prison. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. Gosh, gosh, that's a tough one. I did not read this story, uh, but it seems like it could be so real, but I don't know. You know I mean, <laughs> I think that as, as, a, as a reptile guy, that's always a biggest fear, isn't it? You know, that someone's breaking. And oh, yeah. And, you know, it's... Um, you know, certainly I, I've had that happen many times, you know, at reptile shows where people have stolen stuff. And, and for me personally, I, I would rather someone steal my money than my animal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I work so hard right, yeah. it, and then you steal it from me, you know. It's, it's, it's you know, so interesting. Yeah. All right. And our final story in Lee Acres, Florida, four expensive tortoises were reported stolen from a Lee Acres home. Thursday, one of them weighing a hundred pounds and valued at a thousand dollars. The owner is heartbroken. They may just look like tortoises, but to her, they're like family. Um, probably old too. Probably really old. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. When when she went went when she went outside Thursday, they were gone. No tracks. No open cages. No evidence. Who could have taken them? Um, and then Lee County Sheriff's Office would like anyone who knows anything to contact them. Okay. And they were, they were, I believe they were socatas. I believe that's what they were. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, those, okay. yeah, yep, socatas. Yep. All right. All right. So, so that's the last story then, Steve? That's, that's the last story. And I'll give you the okay. recap. The recap is... Colony, I love this title, (laughs) Colony of Killer Snakes in London. The next one is Attempt to Kill Man with Snake Fails. Blazers Find Snake in Locker Room. Stolen Pythons Lead to Arrest. And 100-Pound Tortoise and Three Others Stolen in Florida. One of them is fake. All right, everybody in the chat room, let's hear it. Yep, and you can you go first, Brian. What do you think? I, you know, I although I think that the Kentucky thing sounds completely plausible, it seems like I would have heard that story, and uh, and I did not. So I'm going to say the Kentucky story is, is the fake one. Okay. What's your, what's All right. Your yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to just be different. I'm going to go with the tortoise step. Um, yeah. Well, I'm just going to try to be a little. The coin. Yeah, it's, it's only one of those. Brian he follows the news too well because he got it yeah that was just something where I thought you know I'm sure I would have read something about that and you're right I do I'm a, I'm a, like a, a, you know I don't I don't sleep a lot you know so like when I I don't when I'm not around I'm like looking at everything I can possibly look at news wise and and although I hadn't heard the tortoise story quite frankly I felt that that was a a more more plausible thing for me not to have heard you know whereas it's the snake one I thought yeah. was a 
it just seemed like I would have heard about that. So, so good. But that doesn't mean yeah. anything uh, other than the fact that I, I won the coin flip. So. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, guess fun. what, folks? Now, now we have this. Now, a moment in Herp history. All right, Brian, when mm-hmm. somebody gets a snake from you, mm-hmm. I'm going to, what is the probably the most frequent question you get from people after they get the snake? Oh, Primarily gosh. ball pythons. Uh, I, probably the, the most common is what is the, I would imagine that would be the most common question. Pretty close. I was thinking, um, how do I get them to eat type okay, same, yeah, yeah, same yeah. thing, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. This is March 25th, 1939. The title is Pete to Gulp First Meal in Nine Months. In Charlotte, North Carolina, Pete, his owner says he's 70, 70 years old, which uh, that's kind of <laughs> questionable. But, yeah. Uh, is going to get his first meal in nine months. And here's what Pete is going to eat, whether he likes it or not. 30 pounds of chopped meat, 15 dozen eggs, 15 pounds of ground bone, yeah, ground bone, and a quart of milk of magnesia. What, what, the heck, what is Pete? Pete well, I mean, is, what, what kind of snake is this? <laughs> um, Pete is a python, thirty-three feet long. Oh, this weighs. Is cool. This is this is kind of an outrageous article. Weighs. <laughs> if I'm reading this right, three hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, That's says right. owner owner Harry Lewiston, pythons eat every three months, but Pete gashed his throat getting out of a box, and Lewiston had to omit his last two regular feedings. The food will be forced down Pete with an eight-foot rubber hose. Eighteen men, all husky, will hold him, and Pete belongs to a carnival which winters here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So there's... 1939. 1939. Yeah, it's a great story. And I always think back of those, you know, those things in history and, and, you know, how different things were. You know, obviously, yeah. you know, there's a couple of completely bogus things about that, that story, unfortunately, which is not, you know, uncommon to have erroneous reports. But um, number one, no, no python's going to live 70 years. Number two, there's <laughs> never been any snake ever in captivity that, uh, or wild for that matter, that is, is measured over 30 foot. As a matter of yep. fact, there's a, a bounty $50,000 bounty that was put out in the 70s for any snake, live, dead, wild, captive that, that reaches over 30 foot. So, yeah. so the 300, 300 pound thing could certainly be, be you know, reasonable. Um, but 70 years old and 33 feet, no way. You know? And then you start, <laughs> when you hear those things, then you start questioning the rest of the story. You know what I mean? Right. What else, yep. what else isn't, isn't uh, 100%? But, but it's still <laughs> amazing. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm such a, you know, that's the one thing, honestly, guys, that, uh, that bothers me somewhat, you know, about this the hobby is is the lack of history. You know, that that, that the newer uh and, and I'm not one of these old time guys like, oh, back in the day but but sometimes it bothers me when I see the the newer, uh younger uh people that are getting into the hobby 
don't even know what happened before them. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, if, if you, you, you know, ball pythons are the perfect example. And, and my old saying has always been, you know, the best thing that ever happened to the reptile business was ball pythons. The worst thing that ever happened to the ball, the reptile industry was ball pythons, you know? Um, and a lot of, a lot of people that are into ball pythons, myself included, you know, you'll see that they don't realize that there was an industry before the last 10 or 12 years, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and, and I always yeah. think of guys like, like Ernie Wagner is a name that I bring up often, who's one of the granddaddies of the reptile world, probably responsible for more knowledge and, and insight into breeding reptiles than probably anyone that's ever lived. Um, and most people don't even know who Ernie Wagner is. You know, so when I hear a story about the 1930s, I just think, how awesome is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, I, I, I been fortunate enough to sit around a, a table and, and have drinks with, with guys that, that bred pythons in the 50s, and, and, and they literally didn't even know how to incubate these eggs. Like I mean, like, the stories they would tell about killing clutch after clutch after clutch until they finally figured out how to incubate a clutch egg is fascinating to me. I mean, could you imagine if we didn't have the Internet? You know? And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and be able to go, oh, what do I do this? Oh, we just mix the vermiculite with water or perlite with water? You know, I mean, if you just, you know, so, uh, so I, love, I love hearing stories like that. Yeah. Um, even if they well, are a little bit. I am off. currently starting an archive of my own for all these old stories. So, right. and hopefully yeah, someday maybe I'll get them online. Everything. Yeah. We'll get them on the, once, once our website's up, Steve, we'll get them all on there too. So, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's been talk also of uh, of a book being written at some point, um, you know, a consortium book uh, um, that that Eco Publishing is talking about doing. That would be kind of the stories of of the the pioneers of the hobby. And 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 I wouldn't, you know, some people say, well, Brian, you're a pioneer. Not really. I'm I'm like the next stage after that. You know, I, I'm trying to pioneer the next generation. You know, the real the generation before me was the true pioneers that that really learned how, you know, I learned from them. They learned from nothing. You know what I mean? They, they, mm-hmm. they taught themselves. Right. And, 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 the, and, you know, I hope this book eventually happens because I think it would be an unbelievable read. But the problem is I was talking with Bob Ashley uh, not too long ago about this, and, and it's like he said, he goes, he goes, I really want to do this book. He goes, but about 25 people are going to buy it. <laughs> I thought, you're probably right. I'm going to be the first one, but there's probably only 24 of us in the country that would spend 50 bucks on a book about guys that no one has ever even heard of. But uh, but it, it's great history. Yeah. So you know what, Brian? I got I got to tell you, um, right now, you know, we're the the reptile industry, is, you know, kind of kind of has a strong cult following. But I definitely think that if we survive the legislation and whatnot, I think that this is going to blow up and it's going to be something huge one day, probably within five or ten years, if we can just hang in there a little longer. So I think documenting things like that and, you know, creating that that outlet of, of a book or like what you do with your videos, I mean, this is all history that we need. We need these these documentations, don't you think? I mean, yeah. either way. Well, I told, yeah, I totally agree, and, and, and I do agree. You know, I've been fortunate enough to be doing this a long time, and, and I think, you know, back in the late 80s when I got going, as a business, yeah, I couldn't have imagined where the business would go now. You know, when I see some of the, the operations out there, it, it's flooring to me. I mean, it's just unbelievable mm-hmm. to see how far we've come. And I think that 10 or 15 years from now, we'll look back on 2014 and say the same thing. Like, wow, we've come such a long way in 2014. You're right, we do have to weather some storms, you know. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And legislation is by far the, the most troublesome of, of the storms that we have to, to weather. Um, 
But yeah. uh, but I, I agree that you know reptiles are becoming more mainstream. Uh, we have to continue to work hard at making them more mainstream. And and it goes back to what I said a little bit earlier in the show that I think that one of the biggest mistakes the reptile hobby makes, in my opinion, is that we uh, we you know we we try to convert the converted. You know, and I always say you know you, you don't preach to the converted. You know, what I mean you, you can you know you need the converted or in this case the reptile lovers as your base. Okay, you you know without my base of reptile people. I couldn't do what I do. That being said, the majority of my time, ironically enough, is spent beyond the reptile community and into the outside community that doesn't know that we exist. You know, and I always tell people, if you think about it, like let's say Petco, PetSmart, Pet Supplies Plus of the world, uh, and some people look at those establishments as the devil. I don't personally, and the reason I don't, and I don't supply them, by the way, so I have no game, you know, no horse in this race. But what I always say is that that you know, if you take Tinley Park, which is you know most people would say was, is the biggest show in the country, you know, in October, uh, if they put ten thousand people through the door over the course of a weekend, which is probably about the number they put through. I don't, I'm don't. i not privy to the exact numbers. But but if you think about the fact that Petco, PetSmart, and Pet Supply Plus have roughly about 2,000 stores, that means pretty much almost every day there are more people exposed to reptiles for the very first time than Tinley Park is, you know? And that's every day, 365 days a year. So my point is, is that, you know, when you look at the numbers and, and you say, you know, how many people keep reptiles, how many people love reptiles, how many whatever... You know, the number of hardcore reptile people, the people that are going to listen to your radio show, the people that are going to, uh, you, know, for, you know, go to kingsnake.com or whatever the case may be, is such a minute percentage of the overall potential of reptile lovers in this country where, where you know, we might be talking about the tens of thousands of people that are hardcore animal, you know, reptile in the hobby, tens of thousands, maybe, maybe 20 30 might even be pushing it. And a lot of people don't realize that. I think a lot of the, the people that don't understand the real numbers that are happening think our hobby is much bigger than it is. It's not. It, it, mm-hmm. It's really right. in that 10, 20, maybe 30,000. I'm talking diehard people that every day of their life do something having to do with reptiles. But then you look at the potential reptile lovers and the people that have a leopard gecko as a pet or a bearded dragon as a pet, and it, 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 it's in the millions you know, probably even in the tens of millions in this co- in this country alone. So you see what I'm saying? Right. Like to me, the numbers are not within the preaching to the converted. It's to getting to the unconverted. You know what I mean? And we right. start to convert them. So so that's um, so I agree with you. The future of the hobby can be extremely bright if we continue to represent ourselves properly and weather the storm. I, I totally agree. And I also agree with you on the fact that we want to document as much of what the, the, the road that we've taken to get here. And that's one of the reasons why, honestly, I did that, that show about the scaleless ball python last year, was that you know, when I, the whole thing came around and I thought, okay, I'm going to try to do this, and, and, I, and I decided to, to you know, live tweet it and, and, and vine it and, and shoot a snake bites episode, exactly what I thought was, one day, 10, 15 years from now, if this turns out the way I think it's going to, which is going to be a scaleless snake, these scaleless ball pythons are going to be in a local pet shop. And someone will actually be able to go back and look at the very moment the very first one was hatched. And that's why yeah. I did it. That was the yeah. whole reason why I did it. And uh, because I now tell you, the, the reasoning behind this was I was in Japan last year and, uh, and, and, and I went into a pet shop in Tokyo and there was a pinstripe ball python in the pet shop. And I thought to myself, wow, 
somewhere down the road, that pinstripe came back to my facility. But the problem was that I did, you couldn't document that. No one knew, you know. I mean, back in the 90s when I produced the first pinstripe, you know, no one really knew about it that much. And, and so I wanted to document that with the scaleless ball python. And that's the reason why I did all, everything I did. And, and, and it could have worked out terribly wrong. You know what I mean? It could have, could, I could have looked like a complete fool and buffoon if it wouldn't have proved out or if I would have missed my odds. But it ended up being absolutely perfect. And, and now, uh, like I said, 15, 20 years from now, people can go back and see the elation on my face the moment. I mean, they lived it with me. And, uh, and, and so I hope we can document the whole hobby that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Well, Steve, what do you? Before we let you go, tell us uh, what's going on in your collection. I pulled a couple more clutches of leopard gecko eggs, and my my ball pythons are just ovulating late this year, one right after the other. But but it's all good. Better late than never. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. Ah, right. right, cool. All right. Well. Um, I guess we'll see you see you next week. And how's your move going? You getting that done or what? My closing is Thursday finally, but I won't be mm-hmm. completely moved in till June first, and I okay. cannot wait. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Steve. And uh, I guess uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, I'll see you there. Thanks, All right. Brian. Take care, bud. Yeah, yeah. Good talk with you, Steve. Take care, man. You too. All right, great job, Steve. Um, we're going to get into the full interview with you now, Brian. And uh, you know, you were talking just a minute ago about you know the documentation. I think that's a good place for us to to transition our conversation from. Um, what do you think? I mean, the way things are going. I mean, yeah, we do have some really serious hurdles coming up. I mm-hmm. am confident. I am very confident that one way or another, we're going to get through it. I mean, I think herpetoculture in itself may change a bit through the process. It may, may not be exactly like it is right now, but mm-hmm. what do you, what is your gut feeling? What do you think is going to happen? Well, you know, it, it could go in a number of different ways. I really do believe it. And, and, um, and, and you, know, you know, obviously I think that our hobby as a whole needs to put our, our weight behind an organization like USR, you know what I mean? Because they're really mm-hmm. our only real hope for the future, you know what I mean? Um, right, and, and right. And quite frankly, quite frankly, Quite frankly, um, we're not doing a real good job of it. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think that the the amount of uh, people that are are, are donating to USR, um, really supporting USR to the fullest, is it, just it's it's really pathetic. I mean, it really is. Not enough. Um, it's it, it's not even close to enough. I mean, it's it's like when you actually hear the real numbers of people that are donating and and the the, the, the amount of money we're we're you know, I, you know there's no way that we could mount an effective fight unless people start realizing that it's about the masses. If everyone donates $10, you know, we could do something. The problem is is that everyone's like, well, that guy's going to donate $10. So that guy, you know, I mean, if you take away the top dozen donors to, to USR, you know, uh, and, and we, we'd certainly be in that, that category, uh, I, I think we raised something about $40,000 last year for USR as, as a complete community. Uh, outside of, because it was about, I think it's about 230 or $240,000, but most of that money was raised by, uh, you know, Jordan Russell and his, his auctions and, and uh, NARBC, 
uh, auctions and a couple of the other auctions and then donors. You know, he's doing a great Jordan job. Rose he's going to be on the show. Yeah, Jordan's going to be on the show in a, in, a, in a, I think like a month. He's doing an awesome job, that guy. Yeah, yeah, they're they're raising huge money. I mean, and, and we need that. But and, and I understand that. You know, some people will be like, oh yeah, but I bought something from an auction or. I did this, or that. but it's important beyond this. I mean, you're, guys, it's your future in this in this hobby. Whether you're breeding or you're you're just keeping animals, for goodness' sake, if if you can't justify spending twenty or twenty five dollars a year, then you don't really. Then I t- you know what? I'm going to sound really harsh when I say this. Don't come to me and complain when they take your animals away. You know what I mean? I That's what I'm going to tell you. Yeah, do not complain. Do not complain when you didn't do anything to stop it. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. Do yep. we have concerns? Absolutely. Can we weather this storm and can we come out the other side? Yes, absolutely. We can if we can get more people on board and more people donating and being an active part of what's going on in the future. Because the one thing that we have for us is is really the facts. You know what I mean? We, we you know, we're not, we're not. Uh, uh, you know, our, our opponents have rhetoric, is essentially what it is. Be afraid of snakes. Snakes are killers. Snakes are, but when people hear the facts, they realize that that's all just a bunch of rhetoric. So we have right. that going for us. Now, the downside is what we don't have going for us is 2,000 years of fear of snakes, right? I so know. So we Jeez, don't right? have that going for us. So we have a little bit of an uphill battle, but I think it's a battle we can win if we have the right representation and we really put it behind. If we do win those types of things, I think that the hobby is, is really an amazing, amazing place for the future. Um, you know, I, I'm an optimist. I really am. And, and, and you know, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know what my role in this hobby is going to be in the future. I don't know. You know what I mean? I, you know, I, I love working with animals. I love breeding animals. Will I be breeding in BHV reptiles be the size this forever? I don't know. You know, I mean, I really don't. I can't, I can't sit here and say it. I can tell you a couple till hobby, whatever that means, you know? Um, right. yeah. I, I really, you know, like I said, I'm in this position right now where I'm really starting to uh, become uh, maybe even more passionate about educating and spreading the word than I am breeding reptiles. It uh, doesn't mean that I'm not still extremely passionate about breeding reptiles, but uh, but I do find myself being more interested in that part of the, the hobby. So I'll always be a part of it, and, and I know that I'll look back 20 years from now and, and, and be proud of what our hobby has done, what, whatever happens, whatever happens. Do I think that there's some areas that we're going to have problems with? Yeah, I do. I I. I you know, and, and people probably don't want to hear me say this, but I'm going to say it anyway because I'm always honest about my thoughts. Um, I don't see a, a world where we can keep reticulated pythons in the future without permits, you know. Mm-hmm. I just don't see that yeah. world happening, you know. Um, and what we have to ask ourselves as a hobby is, um, do we want to sit at the negotiating table and say, all right, well, we need a permit to keep a retic? And whatever that means, you know, maybe you need some volunteer time before you can get the permit. Maybe it needs to make microchip. Maybe it needs whatever that is, is, a, is a reasonable uh, process. I think as, as a reptile lover and a reptile keeper, I think I would be willing to go through that process to keep and retain my rights to keep these animals as opposed to drawing Absolutely. a line in the sand and saying, you're not taking my retakes or else, and then they just ban them completely, you know. And I'm right, and what do you, and how do you feel about the... What do you think about crocodilians in in that uh, in that same concept about um, you no, know regular people owning them? I mean, again, you know, maybe my 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 stances aren't aren't as popular because 
you know, some people don't see it, but, but I see it really the same way about venomous snakes and, and crocodiles. Now, I don't believe that people shouldn't be able to keep them. You should mm-hmm. have the ability to care for a tiger and, and everything it needs and, 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 and the knowledge and, and everything else that goes along with it. Um, so I think absolutely people should be able to keep crocodilians. Absolutely people should be able to keep venomous and absolutely people should be able to keep the giant constrictors. But I do think that there should be some sort of regulation in place to stop the yahoos from doing it. Because you know what? When I do the right thing with a large constrictor, I don't want to be punished for the guy that does the wrong thing with a big constrictor. Right, right. And the guy that lets uh, the crocodile loose, uh, the baby alligator loose in the local pond in, in uh, you know, Long Island, you know, that's, that's a problem, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm really worried about that kind of stuff. I'm 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 worried too, you know, I really am. And and I think that, you know, as reptile keepers we have to realize that, you know, drawing the line is, is gonna be the wrong move. It, it's gonna be, you know, being part of it but it's a slippery slope. Let me just start by that. You know, I think that you don't you know you don't wanna start over regulating the hobby. You don't wanna give up a whole bunch of of your rights and then next thing you know you have no rights left. You've just got to be part of the process. And, and like I said, I'd rather be at the negotiating table than being on the, in, in the outside looking in and, and some, some uh, suit in Washington, D.C. deciding the future of my hobby. So, um, so but if, if, we can, if we can overcome those things, um, I think that, that you know, there's a hugely bright future for the hobby and, and uh, reptiles are only becoming more and more popular. And, and uh, you know, this new generation has such a different view of reptiles than, say, the older generations, you know what I mean? It's like you don't run into yeah. too many, you know, uh, you know, 10 or 12 or 15-year-olds that are terrified of snakes, you know what I mean? They all seem to have some interest in them, and, and that to yep. me inspires me, you know what I mean? That's inspiring to think that there's a whole generation that's more open-minded than, say, my parents that thought the only good snake was a dead snake. Exactly. You know, Brian, and you know what? YouTube, okay, is... I would say, I don't know what the statistics are. You may know better than me, but it seems like the majority of people that watch YouTube videos are the young generation. They're the younger kids. And that's, you know, we want to get adults involved in this, absolutely, but it's the children's fascination that's going to facilitate bringing in more uh, more people into this, I think. It's going to be the kids. We got to get, you, you know, you're doing a great job with your videos. They're, you know, they're definitely just engaging and they're really interesting and they keep your attention and people that, you know, you watch them, you're hooked on them it's, and that's it. I mean, you, you can see it by the views that you get and your subscription, your, you know, your subscription rates and everything. Um, so you've got that area covered. I think that like more of us need to do stuff like that and, you know, engaging the younger generation. Is that what, is that what you're thinking too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, thank you so much. Uh, and secondly, absolutely. I mean, again, you know, the whole platform, the whole idea behind what I do is not to, to make videos for people within the reptile hobby. I want the people within the reptile hobby to watch. I really do. You know, mm-hmm. you're, my, you're my base. You're, my base is important to me. But I want the kid right. to, to, you know, that, that doesn't know about BHB, doesn't know about uh, your radio show, doesn't know about, you know, Kinley Park, you know, I, I want them to find me, and I want them to, you know, the thing that I always say, uh, 
that that is it really keeps me inspired. I mean, like more than anything. I mean, you know, I get inspired by every comment I read, every tweet I read, every every email I read, and message on Facebook. But uh, but the ones that really get me motivated are the ones that that tell me that they uh, were terrified of snakes before coming across my video and are now buying their first ball python or their first corn snake, or or uh, or, or even so, I'll sometimes get get comments from farmers that that you know, like kids. Far, you know, kids that grew up on a farm that tell me that, you know, hey, I used to just kill every snake I came across, and then I came across your show, and, and now I move them into the woods. You know, and, and that's the stuff that gets me just my fire burning, and, and I go, yes, this is why I'm doing this. And, um, and you know, we, we reach, you know, we reach a lot of people, but, but, man, I feel like we just are just, it's the tip of the iceberg. You know what I mean? It's like, I really believe that, you know, I mean, we get about 2.2 million views a month right now on YouTube. Uh, I, I think we can get, you know, 20 million views a month. I really, really do believe it. And I think that's just with, with snake bites. And, and over the last year or so, if people have been watching the show, they see that we've, we've taken a lot of different, we've really changed the whole idea of the show. And we've gotten away from, um, from, from bite scenes that aren't natural, you know, I mean, aren't going to just happen, you know, we, we no longer, you know, have, have like Chewy when you worked with me, you know, running around trying to get bit just for fun and laugh. Um, and that's not to say that we're not, as a matter of fact, I'm just working on a show right now where I'm getting bit by snakes and, and talking about mean snakes, you know, so it's, hey, you know I'm, I'm going to still do that, but it's, it's a different type of thing. I'm not going to pr- provoke them to bite me for ratings, you know what I mean? And, and, did and did you frankly, get some heat for that? <laughs> well, you know, and let me tell you something. I think, we, of course, we took heat from that, <laughs> and, and I think some <laughs> rightfully so. I think some rightfully so. It was so, funny, though. People, it was... Yeah, yeah, it was funny. I mean, I, some of my, I, I still look back, and, and, and the nostalgia to me, some of my favorite scenes were, were, were bite scenes, you know what I mean? You know, they, they were the ones that kept me laughing, and what we always thought, you know, whether it was right or wrong, was I always thought that we took such a lighthearted view on getting bit that I, I was hoping that some of the people that were really afraid of getting bit would actually look at it as less of a dangerous thing because they'd be like, oh, well, look at that jack off, you know, got bit and everyone laughed at him. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that was always my idea. But, but we took it, we, we decided, you know what, all right, we, we need to play a little bit better leadership role in things and we need to get away from that now, become a little more serious. And even over the last year, I've, I've even tried to become a little bit more broader than just the original state by idea, because I always said that, you know, as a YouTube show, we're, we're not just an animal show, and we're not even just a reptile show, but we're a reptile breeding show, which is a pretty narrow market, so you're taking a large market of animal lovers, and you're nailing it down to reptile lovers, and then you're even nailing it down even further to reptile breeding lovers, and uh, so we right. tried to expand out in the last 12 months and, and become a little bit more general reptile, not so much breeding, and, and now even starting to go a little bit more into the animal world. And also with the fact that, you know, over the last 16, 18 months, I've been working on Animal Bites TV, which we can talk about whenever you're ready, um, it, which will launch in July, and, and it's going to be about all animals. It won't be just about reptiles. And, and so we wanted to really start to, to uh, you know, just, just get our audience ready for the bigger and better things. But, but, uh, but again, we'll be doing the, it's the same premise. Okay, it's not going to be just about reptiles but it's about educating the public about things that they aren't educated about and getting people passionate about the things that we're really passionate about. And, um, and, I, and I think that we have an opportunity to uh, take back the animal programming that's happening. We all know that 
you know, the animal planets of the world and, and, and these other networks of the world, the Natio and Natio Wild the world, have been moving away from positive animal programming for the last six or seven years. Um, oh, that's terrible, it, too. I hate that. It, it, it is. You know, but, but let me just say, you know, and, and you'll find as we're talking here that I'm a student of many things, not just reptiles. I'm a student of YouTube. I'm a student of television and media. I'm a student of social media, on and on and on. So I, I don't just do these things. I research them. To remember about Animal Planet, I just recently wrote a blog about this, is that, you know, Animal Planet has got the highest ratings it's had ever as a network right now, okay? So animal right. lovers may be irate at the fact that they're not catering to their base, which is the animal lovers. But the fact is is that the, 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 the GM of Animal Planet, her name is Marjorie Kaplan, um, her job is to get ratings, okay? Her job isn't to make me and you happy. You know what I mean? Right. Her job is to get exactly. ratings. And, 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 and what I've said, I said this in my blog and I've said this before, is that, you know, history buffs, are not happy with History Channel no more than animal people are, are mad at Animal Planet, right? You know, back in right. the day, History Channel was all about history. Now it's, it's a shell of what it was, but it has ten yeah. times the ratings that it used to have. And you could say the same thing about the Learning Channel with Honey Boo Boo and, 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 you know, MTV with music television that doesn't show music. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm not I'll sure never understand that, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but these networks, what it is, is the networks are built to, to get viewership, period. You know, whatever that viewership mm-hmm. is. And, and by the way, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people that produce shows for Animal Planet, and there's literally a directive out by Animal Planet now to pitch zero pet shows. Anything having to do with a pet, they don't want to buy, period. And the majority Jeez. of animal shows they don't want to buy anymore. You know, so, so they don't even want animal shows, let alone pet shows. They want no pet shows and very few animal shows. And, and hence the name. You know, one of the first things that Marjorie Kaplan did when she came to the, the network was rebranded you know, re, uh, it as surprisingly human. And, uh, and so this has been an ongoing plan. So, so my point is I'm not mad at Animal Planet because I sit back and go, well, there's two things. Number one, she's just doing her job, which is to get viewership. And if that means that they have people building tree houses and whatever else they're doing, then God bless them for what they're doing. You know, but the other thing I'm happy about is to give me an opportunity to take over that space because there are there millions and millions and millions of animal lovers that want the old Animal Planet. And Animal Planet doesn't yep. care about them, and they're turning their back on them, and we're willing to give them what they want, and we can do it in our way, and we don't have to worry about advertising. We don't have to worry about... you got to remember, Animal Planet, which is owned by Discovery Communications, is a publicly traded stock, okay? So their shareholders need to see ratings and revenue. We don't have yep. to do that. You know what I mean? We, we, we can yep. march to the beat of our own drum, and we can, we can do the right thing whenever we want. And, and that's what excites me, and I cannot wait to get this thing rolling over the next um, you know, couple months and, and, and really over the next year or two as it develops into something bigger and better. Well, Brian, let's, let's take our mid-show break real quick, and when we come back, let's get right into Animal Bites and all about it. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right, hang tight, hang tight, folks. We're going to play uh, our sponsors uh, real quick, and we will be right back with more from Brian Barczyk. Stay tuned. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Ron Tremper is the biggest contributor to leopard gecko morph making. 
known worldwide for his amazing examples of living art. You can now download his Leopard Gecko Care app, his Morph Encyclopedia app called Leopard Gecko Pro, and visit his site, leopardgecko.com, to see where morphs are made. GiantLeopardGecko.com specializes in giant and supergiant leopard geckos with a focus on selectively bred exceptional lines of many different morph combinations, including high-end African fat tails and crested geckos. With over 17 years of experience in herpetoculture, Keith Kiggins brings you quality, integrity, and value. Check out GiantLeopardGecko.com on the web and on Facebook. Reptiles Express is the absolute best live animal shipping company with great low rates. Debbie is the queen of customer service and will make sure your precious cargo gets to where it needs to. They also have a wide array of shipping supplies from deli cups, snake bags, heat packs, and more. Visit reptilesexpress.com and become a member today. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. abdragons.com is your source for the highest quality dubia roaches. Whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps, abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt Reptile Heat Tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. Okay, folks, we are back. And uh, in this part of the show, uh, we're going to welcome your phone calls. If you guys would like to call in and ask uh, Brian a question, the number is 646-478-5331. Again, it's 646-478-5331. You know, Brian, one of the things that I've, you know, I've been really following YouTube, I guess, for the last three years now. And so, and uh, of course, I watch your shows. And, um, you know, what I've, and, and tell me if I'm right about you. You you really are a self-made man. You've basically taken this as far as you have all on your own. You didn't ride on anybody else's coattails, and you followed your dreams and ambitions. Am I right about that? You are. You couldn't be more right about that. I mean, not just. Uh, I mean, pretty much everything that I've done in my life, whether it's you know uh, building you know BHP reptiles or or starting YouTube or, or doing social media, um, nobody has ever helped me. I mean, not financially, not, uh, uh, you know, with their knowledge. Uh, it, it, you know, and, and uh, I, it's funny, like, when I started Snake Life, I didn't own a camera. I didn't even own a camera when I started Snake Life. I was <laughs> borrowing someone's camera. And um, so I had to learn, you know, all about camera. And, by the way, I'm a complete, you know, gearhead now. I mean, I am just... You know, I, I have a ton of, of, of camera gear, and, and we're actually, uh, you know, waiting for a new camera to come out that we're getting uh, at the end of June, early July it's coming out, that will shoot, uh, you know, 4K res. Um, you know, I mean, like, literally, like, is good, like, I mean, broadcast TV quality. Again, you won't be able to really see that much of a difference on YouTube because it's compressed down so much. But the point is, is that the future, when I get into animal bites and stuff like that, we have a lot of initiatives that we'll need 
TV quality because we're hoping that we'll be able to not only sell DVDs that are going to be in Blu-rays even, that will be Blu-ray quality, 4K quality, uh, but we also want to be able to provide footage, stock footage for, for shows, wildlife shows, and eventually even try to market some of our – well, we're going to actually produce documentaries, you know, uh, at, at least once or twice a year from around the world, not just with me in front of the camera. As a matter of fact, there'll be other people in front of the camera for most of it. You know, I may do a doc here and there, but the majority of our production will be other talent doing in front of the mm-hmm. camera, uh, whoever they're mm-hmm. specialized in. And, and we'll want to sell, like I said, those, those Blu-rays and, and DVDs, um, but also try to sell them to networks, you know, actual freight. So I'm a gearhead, so I, I had to learn about gear and how to run a camera and, and, and sound, and there's a lot to that. And then, of course, editing. And, 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 and then, you know, no one teaches you how to use YouTube. And, and, and I'm telling you, I am a, a, a complete nerd when it comes to YouTube uh, and all social <laughs> media, by the way. But um, there are a lot of little things about YouTube that people don't understand. I'm talking, I could spend three hours telling you about how to how to use YouTube, you know, and it's little things that people don't know, the way you describe a show, the way you title a show, the way you thumbnail a show, the way you tag a show, the way the amount of minutes the show is. I, I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And uh, people just think, oh, you just upload a video. Well, you can, but you're not going to be successful. And, uh, and things have changed a lot, too. The, probably the one big thing about snake bites is the fact that uh, it was a timing issue. You know what I mean? I, I've told people this, and I, and I mean this one whole, 100% wholeheartedly. If I started snake bites today with the exact same experience that I have, the same, I'm the same host, same ideas, everything else, I would never have succeeded again. You know, and, yeah. and the reason is, is that ship has sailed. You know what I mean? YouTube, yep. as a matter of fact, is staying in the YouTube world. And, and I have a lot, a lot of friends that are very big YouTubers that make me look like nothing, uh, that have nothing to do with reptiles or animals. Um, you know, most of them very, very great people. Uh, the, the saying in the YouTube world is, uh, you know, YouTube has taken the U out of YouTube, you know, because uh, to become a, a, a YouTube celebrity now, uh, if you aren't already, you know, already have a big following, it, it's like hitting the lottery. It, and you got to remember that there's a billion channels on YouTube, a billion channels on YouTube. Oh, my for God. Every minute of, yeah, for every minute of every day, there's over 100 hours of content uploaded. 100 hours for every minute of every day, 365 days a year. And the average YouTube video gets less than 10 views a month. Okay? So, uh, so when you're starting a YouTube channel out, is very frustrating. The thing that's interesting now is that I'll have tell hobby uh, non-animal people come to me sometimes, and and these guys have like big followings, like say on Vine or or uh, or Twitter. You know, I have one guy that I, I'm I'm good friends with that's a musician that has almost two hundred thousand followers on Twitter, which is a very big task. Because Twitter, I would say, is the hardest medium to get a big following on. Out of everything, Twitter is the most difficult. I work harder at Twitter than anything else I do, and I have the lowest following out of any of my social media structure. But I have this guy that has 200,000 followers on Twitter, huge Twitter following, and he cannot grow his YouTube following past 30,000 subscribers. I mean, he's like, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, do, I promote it. So my point is, is that when you haven't already got a following, it becomes very difficult, and it has a lot to do with the fact, and I'm not going to bore you or your listeners on it, has to do with algorithms, you know, search engines, algorithms, right. you know, because YouTube is just a, a video search engine, essentially. So so, so anyways, my point exactly. is, yeah, I didn't have anyone teach me this. I didn't have anyone back me. I didn't have a production company. I didn't have a publicist. I didn't have a promoter. didn't have anything, much like with the animal business. You know, I didn't have anyone backing me. I didn't know how, what I was doing. I didn't have a roadmap to say what to 
do. And uh, and we did it all ourselves. And and even this latest project with Animal Bites, you know, now I, I, I mean, theoretically I'll be the head of a network. Uh, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I just I, I, I know I'm passionate and I'm willing to work harder than anyone else in the world. Uh, and, and, and I'm committed to making sure that I do it the right way, uh, whatever that means. And I'll live, you know, as a matter of fact, I've told this story a few times. You know, I actually built my house 10, well, 12 years ago. Built, when I said built my house, I built it. I mean, I hammer and nails. And, uh, and, and it would, you know, did I know how to build a house? No, I had no clue how to build a house. As a matter of fact, I always say I never knew how little I knew about building a house until I decided to build a house, you know. But my point was is every morning I'd wake up and say, i got to learn how to put that fireplace in today, and I would learn how to put the fireplace in, and I'd do it. And that's the way I built my reptile business. That's the way I built Snake Bites TV. That's the way I built my social media following. And now that's the way I'll build my new animal network. And that's the way to do it, Brian. That's the way that builds the, the pride in what you do. That's the way, you know, you keep your inspiration and your enthusiasm for what you're doing. If somebody, you know, it's just like anything else. If somebody gives it to you, you don't appreciate it. You don't, you know, you right. you got to earn it. you got to earn it. And I think, I think you and I both are kind of from the same generation. Like, I'm 38 now, so when I first started this as a kid, it, you know, I was eight years old when I got my first Anoles and curly tail lizards and hermit crabs yep. and you know back then we didn't have the internet so i had a i had to read books i had a write to breeders i had to send away for price lists um you know i have pictures i have pictures of when i wrote a letter to bob clark and he sent me pictures of first albino ball python and stuff and yeah. you know it's those those experiences that the yeah. new generation just doesn't have and you know they're they're learning a lot the information is out there and there are some of them out there that are really grasping it and taking it to the next level, yes. But yeah. like you were yeah. saying earlier, there's there's a little bit of a disconnect too, you know. What do you think? What can we do to get, you know, more of that knowledge to the right people what do you think well I, well you know it's, it's interesting i think again i think that the younger generation has a huge advantage in a lot of ways you know they're so much more technologically sound they have uh, so much knowledge at their fingertips um and, and guys like us I'm, I'm assuming you're like i am where now i couldn't live without technology i mean i i'm, I'm such oh, a yeah. i mean I, it, literally when when i don't have my iphone on I, I, if i if i i reach down and it's not in my pocket i panic you know uh, when I yep, when I travel, too. you know, when I travel out of the country to you know some exotic place, uh, and I don't have my my you know internet access, you know, I mean it's like I'm a fiend, you know. I mean I get into an area with Wi-Fi, which is very hard, by the way. I mean, you know, I always tell people when they travel, I'm like, everyone thinks Wi-Fi is everywhere. It's not. America is the best place. I mean, <laughs> when you go over to Japan, that Japan is supposed to be like the mecca for technology. There is no freaking Wi-Fi there, okay? You will go days without <laughs> Wi-Fi. And, um, and so, you know, when you tell uh, that restaurant with Wi-Fi, you're like a fiend. You're like, oh, i got to get on Facebook and Twitter. And, and uh, so, uh, so so the young generation, I think, has an advantage. And, 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 and many of them are so much more tech-savvy than will ever be because they're growing up around it. And uh, it's just different, you know? It's a different type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily look at that as a negative, you know, for, for like, their knowledge and stuff like that. Um, I just look at it as a different, you know, they're growing up in a different world. Things move much quicker, uh, you know, right. whereas we might have, have sat down with a book or, you know, paged through the John Merton Snakes of the World book or, or the, you know, oh, yeah. Atlas came out. Um, you know, now they're they're flying through Google as quickly as they could or, or spending five hours on YouTube, flipping from video to video to video. And uh, in, in actuality, uh, it, you know, we're, we're all 
getting to the same thing. We're just doing it completely differently. And, and, and I don't think that the younger generation is necessarily that's a negative. I think maybe in some ways it could be a positive, uh, but it'll never mm-hmm. be like, like it was. And, and uh, as long as they're loving it, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care how they learn about it. Um, right. You know, and, and as long as they love it, that, that's all that matters to me. Absolutely. No, that's cool. Uh, we have a question in the chat room from uh, mm-hmm. Levi Williams asks, um, this is to Brian, have you bred Nile monitors? If not, have you thought about doing so? And do you have any thoughts or tips for somebody starting to breed large lizards? You don't have to go into too much detail, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, question. we work with the, we work with we work with the night niles. You know, we have a male and two females. Um, it's the first time I've ever worked with with adult niles. Uh, they have bred this year. I don't know if they're going to produce or not. Uh, they've physically copulated. Um, I, I would love to. They're they're 18 months old um, on the small side of adults. You know, definitely big enough to breed, but not not big. You know what I mean? As big as I'd like them to be. Mm-hmm. You know, next year I think I've got a much better chance. Um, you know, I mean, hey, I think monitor lizards are amazing animals. I really do. Uh, they need a lot of space and they need a lot of time and energy. Uh, but if you give them all the things that they need, uh, they're they're pretty easy. You know, really, uh, they're just uh, they're very intelligent animals. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of heat gradient is important. You know, give them that hot spot, real hot, so they can get in and get away from it. You know, if they want to heat up to 140 degrees, you got to give them that 140 degrees, um, and, and then at the same time, give them a, an area where they can get away from the 140 degrees. But um, great animals, mm-hmm. I love them, love them to death. I love them. Now that that gene is that a dominant gene or a recessive? Well, we don't really know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm okay. assuming it's going to be recessive. I'm assuming it'll be recessive. Uh, but uh, okay. but these are the only three ever produced, you know, period. So there's no, no, right. there's no nothing else out there, so we don't know. But I would be very, very, very surprised if it was not a recessive mutation. But, uh, um, mm-hmm. but until, we, uh, until we produce them. And, of course, we're only breeding night niles tonight now. So, so if we produce all night niles, uh, if we produce, we get, we still won't know if they're recessive or co-dominant. <laughs> but, uh, um, but uh, you know, one day I'm sure someone will figure it out, but it probably won't be me anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, cool. I hope we got that answer for you, Levi. Let's go ahead and grab this call. Caller from the, uh, let's see, caller from the 816 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey guys, I was oh, just listening. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, I was just listening. Okay. Didn't push long. <laughs> hey Brian, okay. hi. Hey, how are you? <laughs> All right, I'm going to take the next call. A caller from the 805 area code. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. 805, you there? Oh yes. Hi. <laughs> hi. Can you hear me? Oh, I'm yes, good. You loud Crystal. And clear. <laughs> hey Crystal. Um, I was just wanted to say hi, David, and um, hi. Brian, Hi. <laughs> before Hi. I ask Hi. my question. Good. Um, I just wanted to say, obviously, that I love Snake Bites TV, and watching it gave me the confidence to start breeding leopard geckos. I'm really into leopard geckos, so I'm super excited that you're getting into leopard geckos. <laughs> and so I also am really excited about animal bites. My I grew up on Steve Irwin and Jeff Corwin, so I'm excited that my kids get to watch something like that, too. And so super excited about that. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, I I hope we'll make you proud, and and uh, I can't. I'm I'm excited to to be involved in the gecko world. Uh, it's uh, it's so so exciting. It really is, and I can't wait to to see babies hatching soon. And uh, I mean, it's it's going really really well. So uh, so yeah, thank you so much. Oh yes, and so my first question is um for 
leopard geckos, are you going to be like a, a big-time breeder like with your, your ball pythons, or are you going more small-scale with the leopard geckos? Well, you know, I don't small. I don't do anything small. No, I... Gosh, you know, I, I'm I'm an addict, man. I'm really an addict. And, uh, <laughs> I can uh, I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to give you an idea, I uh, last Tuesday I collected eggs, and Thursday, I was actually it was Thursday, collected eggs, and we had 270 eggs that day produced. So, uh, so I, that might give you an idea. So big, man. That might give you an idea where the size of my production is going to be. But that being said. I'm not going to kill it, you know. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, overproduce the market. I'm not going to bring the market down. I've been doing this for a long time, and I know where my numbers need to be. You know, what I mean, I know uh, I don't want to overproduce and, and 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 bring the market down. You know what I mean? I, I I've been through this enough times with colubrids and pythons and everything else that I've done. I won't be the guy that uh, produces, you know, 500 of something that should be elusive and 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 you know should be. $300 and I sell them for $15. I won't be that guy. No one has to worry about that whatsoever. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be as respective of the leopard gecko market as I was respective of every other market that I've ever been involved in. With that said, um, you know, I'll definitely be producing some numbers, no doubt about it. <laughs> and nice. uh, what are you looking cool. forward to the most this breeding season for your leopard geckos? Oh, my gosh, you know, it's, it's a tough one, you know. It's so hard. I really love the fact that we're, we're, we're putting color into things, you know. I mean, to me, ultimately, um, no, color is what everything is, you know. I mean, you know, my, my good friend Matt Veronica from Sassaback, you know, we talk about it all the time, and he has some just insanely cool animals that uh, that I, I drool over all the time when he sends me pictures of and uh, and I think that's really where I want to go. It's just you know just get the oranges into things, make things just really beautiful. Um, more than anything, that that's probably uh, my direction is to just make them a, a really beautiful, beautiful leopard gecko. Um, no matter what the mutation is, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, but you know I always say you know when people ask me you know whether it's ball pythons or corn snakes or now leopard geckos, you know oh, what are you the most excited about or what's your favorite? I always say. You know, it's like asking what your favorite kid is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you, love, you love them all, you know. I mean, honestly, you know what I'm the most excited about? It's the first baby to hatch, and then the second baby, and then the third baby. Um, so it's, it's all. Awesome. It never gets old. <laughs> it, 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 you know, and hey, I've, I've said this. I, I, you know, I, I've got a saying that says that the, the day that I'll be, I won't be excited about my cheapest animal hatching is the day I'll get out of the business. You know, and, yeah. and that's yep. really the way. That's the way I I look at every single thing that I work with. Is when I see a normal corn snake hatch and I'm not excited about it, I need to stop breeding rep. You know, so yeah. so uh, so every single leopard gecko I'll produce will be um, I'll be I'll be doing a little baby leopard gecko dance every single time. <laughs> I do that dance all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. All right, cool, Chris. Well, yeah. Anything else for us tonight? Oh, no, I just want to say I'm a huge fan of both of you, and thank you very much. <laughs> oh, thank oh, you so awesome. much for thank calling in. So thanks. Okay, yeah. thanks. Awesome. Bye. All right. You know, Brian, that's uh, that call was great. Crystal's really cool. Now, you know, we talked a little bit on the phone the other day about, um, you know, we both your your exposure is much bigger than mine, of course. And, I, you know, I'm on my own path and what I'm trying to do. But, I, I, you know, both of us are – really got our hearts in the right place, and I think we're both trying to do good for the community. And you and I were talking a little bit about, you know, about how you can really do your best and be as positive as possible, but 
not everybody's always going to like you. And have you <laughs> had had some experiences that you'd like to share along that route and and basically, um, you know, what you've learned from that? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I think that, you know, haters come along with everything, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and, and, and you know, I, I think that the majority of haters, honestly, are jealous, you know, with what you're doing, you know, I mean, I really do believe that. Uh, then there are some really hardcore people that may even have a, a, a point that's valid, you know. I mean, like, I don't like Brian because you know he's got a ponytail. I, I don't know, uh, but uh, you know, the one thing, I, one thing that I've learned is that um, 99.9% of the time, I don't even engage with anything negative. I mean, nothing. You know, if someone says something negative to me. I oftentimes don't even read it, you know what I mean? Like, you know, uh, one of my managers, when he first started working with me a few years ago, used to always come in and, and say, oh, man, there is a thread, and this, that, that. and I'd go, I don't want to hear about it. Don't even tell. Well, aren't you curious? I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, I don't even want to know. It's like, you know, <laughs> I, so, so that's the direction that I've taken the vast majority of time, is that I feel like, you know, I know what's in my heart, okay? Do I do everything the right way all the time? Absolutely not. I am constantly making mistakes, but I'm also constantly trying to better myself every day of my life, you know? So if I made a mistake yesterday, I try to learn from that mistake. Um, if someone wants to give me constructive criticism, I'm always ears wide open. I, I, I'm 100% not one of these guys that needs to be surrounded by yes people. I, I, I listen to constructive criticism. When someone wants to just be a hater and be a jerk, uh, then I have no time or energy for that person whatsoever. And uh, and the one thing that, you know, you know, I'm sure you've learned and, and, and I'm certainly learning as time goes on is that the more popular you get and the, the bigger your following becomes, uh, the, the more vitriol will come against you, you know. And, and that's just, just part of the territory. And as a matter of fact, you know, I was, I was out with a, a friend of mine not too terribly long ago uh, who was a celebrity, a real celebrity. And... Um, and we were just chatting about things, and, 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 you know, he had brought up the point about, you know, sometimes it, it gets really old when people come up to him and, and stop him or at, at dinner or stop him and stuff like that. And, you know, I kind of stopped him, and I said, hey, listen. Uh, I said, I, you know, and, and by the way, this guy's really good with his, his fan base, really, really good. But, but you know, we're, we're, and that's why I won't mention who it is, but, but we're, we're friends, and we <laughs> talk, we're talking openly. And, um, and, and, and I basically said, you know what, you're the one decided to go down that path. No one made you a celebrity. You, you're the one that decided to go down that path. And you've got to take the good with the bad. You know? and, and, and I said, you know, prior to you becoming a celebrity, you would have died to have people come up and ask you for an autograph. You know what I mean? So now yep. get used to it because you, you chose it and now you live it. You know what I mean? And so, so I think mm-hmm. that um, my point is that there, there's good and bad with everything. And as you get more popular, there's going to be the negatives. And, and, and again, one of the things, uh, I posted something uh, a week or so ago on, on Facebook that was very broad, you know, just like something, you know, you know, like just had a bad day or, you know, you know, sometimes it's hard to deal with the negatives of this hobby because it is, you know, I mean, it's like, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm a positive mm-hmm. guy, believe positive, think optimistic, push forward. Um, and, and, and when you're continuously being drugged down by negative, 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 sometimes you just want to give up. You really do. You're almost like, am I the only person? But the truth is, so when I posted this on Facebook, kind of mini rant, let's say, um, a lot of people commented, said, you know, keep your chin up, Brian, you know, for every one person that says something negative about you, you've got a thousand people that love you and, and support you a thousand percent. And that's really the truth, yep. isn't it? 
You know, the, the, yep, the 999 people won't ever tell you how great you are, but that one person will be happy to tell you how terrible you are. And uh, so, uh, so, so that's the, the tactic I try to take with all my life. You know, I know that, uh, you know, do I make mistakes? All the time, you know what I mean? And I always tell my customers when it comes to my reptile customers that, you know, it's easy for us to do business when business is going good. Let's see how I deal with you when business go bad, because that's what really sets a good business apart and a bad business apart, right? You know, anyone yep. can sell a, a gecko or a snake and, and have everything go perfect and look like an angel. But what happens when you sell a snake and something goes wrong or sell a gecko and something goes wrong? That's when you're true you know, that's when your true nature comes out. You know, how do you deal with it? And the people at my shop know, you know, my secretary and everyone knows that, you know, unless it's something egregious to where it's like, I mean, whatever, it's always customer first. You know, it's always like, hey, you know, you got a problem, what do we need to do to make you happy, period. You know what I mean? Like, that's the end. It doesn't matter how much money I lose to make you happy. I just want to make you happy. You know, that's my stance. Uh, You know, you know, I, I mean, you know, so I know what kind of a person I am. I know what kind of business I've done. Does that mean that there are times when I, I mean, I look back at, you know, I do thousands and thousands and thousands of deals. I look back on certain deals and go, oh, my God, I really kind of screwed that guy. I do. I, I Seriously, I'm going to be honest about it. I look back and think, how did I do that? But if that guy may, lets me, I will make it up to him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I never try mm-hmm. to screw anybody. I never try to get over on anybody. But every now and then you get into a deal where all of a sudden you come out on the wrong end of the deal. Even when I'm buying snakes, it happens sometimes. Someone will call me up and go, hey, I want to wholesale this group of animals. And, and they sometimes give me such a low price. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pay you more than you want for them because I, I feel like I'm ripping you off. You know, so mm-hmm. so between that and then the same thing with, with snake bites and all my other social media, I know what I do makes a difference. You know what I mean? To what level, I don't know. That's up to everyone else, not up to me, right? But I know that mm-hmm. what I do is making a difference to people, and I'm doing it for the pure reasons of that, you know? I don't, you know, it's not a profitable venture, you know You know what I mean? It's like the mm-hmm. amount of time Absolutely. and energy that I put into Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and all, I'm not making loads of money by doing that. As a matter of fact, you could probably argue that I'm losing money with the amount of time. Yeah. And I've often said, if I put 1% or 10% of the time into BHB that I put into all the other things that I do to just try to promote the hobby, I'd be 10 times more successful than I am financially. But that's not <laughs> what my life is about. You know what I mean? My life has never been about yeah. making the most money. And, you know, It's about doing what I feel is the best thing for the hobby. And so uh, so that, that, that makes the haters a little bit easier to deal with because you know you go you know you don't know what I'm doing and how hard I work to try to do the right thing and if you're just going to spot it I mean I had a conversation with a guy uh, via Facebook a couple weeks ago that um, that he basically was saying you know uh, you know hey whether you know and it was a real weird comment it was like a, a compliment slash complete you know <laughs> whatever then it was something to the lines of you know. For whatever reason, you're looked at as the leader of this hobby, and I think you need to start acting more responsible with the decisions you make <laughs> because having <laughs> provoking snakes to bite you just to get views is not blah, blah, blah. And I said, I, said, I, I, just said, I responded and said, can you point one time in the last 18 months that I've provoked a snake to bite me? Can you, pro- can you point to one time that I've done something negative on snake bite in any way that would hurt the reptile hobby in the last 18 months. I said, I'm not talking about in the past. I'm talking in the last And he said, well, I haven't watched your show in a few years. I thought, well, 
but you're, you're willing to go and comment on my page that I'm somehow a cancer to the hobby when you haven't even followed me in three years. You, you know yeah, what I mean? That's, that's, the type totally of stuff. that's the type of stuff that really bothers you. And, and you go, you know, hey, I've made mistakes in the past. You know, and do, am I sorry for the things I've done? Honestly, God, there's only one show that we ever shot that I'm sorry that we shot, and that was the bite-off. You know, we did a bite-off. And, and I wish I would have never shot that show, and I wish I would have never released that show. Outside of that, I'm not sorry for one time that Chewie got bit or anything else like that. Would I do it again? No, <laughs> probably not. You know, you know, I mean, I probably wouldn't go down that path again. But I'm not sorry for it. I think it was fine, and it didn't hurt anybody, and, 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 it, was, and it was funny, you know. But, um, but, uh, but I realized, hey, I've grown. You know, I've grown to a point where now I feel a little bit more responsible for the more positive side of things, and and uh, and I'm will I've, I've been willing to step up and try to make that change, and and I and, and I would I, I hope people are happy that I'm making that change rather than sticking in something and saying I don't care what you guys think I'm going to do it my way and I, you know screw you you know so but um but you know and, no and I think people forward, are definitely happy I think they're definitely happy Brian and you know you, you have to think about it this way too. In the beginning, I've often let me just do a, go off on a little tangent here. I, mm-hmm. you know, I try to keep this show family friendly and very positive. And I've also, and we have a huge following now, which is great. But I've also thought to myself, well, you know, if I were to be more controversial, or if I were to be, you know, use profanity, or if I were to drop the f bomb every once in a while, would that mm-hmm. make the show even bigger than it is because it would make it more edgy, so to speak? But no, I'm not going to compromise my own values for the sake of ratings. I, I mean, part of me says, yeah, you should. And then the other part is like, Dave, no, because it's not really you. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I'm not sure, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep doing things the way I, I know how to do them, I guess. But yeah. that may limit yeah. my exposure, too. It may make the show yeah. not get too much bigger. I don't know. I, I, I can't predict it. This is all new to me as well. Right. So sure. what do you think? What would you, well, what would you say to well, somebody like me? Well, I think you're absolutely 100% right. I mean, you know, you, you've got to stay true to yourself, you know. You, you've got to be who you are, you know. You never want to be – I mean, that's why, you know, hey, I've made no, uh, you know, no secret about the fact that, you know, Steve Irwin was one of my, my all-time idols, you know. Um, Me too. Do yeah. I want to be Steve Irwin? No. I would, I, I've always said when people say, oh, you're trying to be the next Steve Irwin, I'm like, no, I, I'm trying to be the next Brian Barcheck. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like that's who I'm yep. trying to be. I'm not trying to be Steve Irwin. I'm fortunate to, to be friends with his family, and I have an unbelievable amount of respect for his family and what he did, um, you know, for for you know animal conservation or you know across the board, not just reptiles, but but all animals and the, yep. the amount of education he did. Um, but my point is, is that you know I, I would never want to be him. You know, I, I want to be right. me. You know, I, I am who I am. Uh, I am an animal lover. But you don't see me going out and talking about things that I don't know anything about. You know, when I do shoot mm-hmm. on animals that I'm not as familiar with, I do a tremendous amount of research before I do. I, I shoot one frame of footage. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm as versed as I possibly can be on the subject before I do anything. Um, but you know, hey, I'm always going to stay true to who I am, and that's a reptile guy. You know, that's where I'm the most comfortable. And it is funny when I go out and film stuff that's not reptiles. I'm not nearly as comfortable, you know. It, it, you may not see it on film, but it's it's more nerve wracking to me, you know. What I mean, it's like I go <laughs> and I'm doing this, and I've got to I've got to think more, you know. When I do reptiles, I don't even think; I just 
spew. You know, I mean, just whatever comes out of my yeah. mouth comes out of my mouth, and I live in the moment, and I enjoy it, and I'm passionate about it. And that's what you have to do with your your show is just stay true to who you are. And if that means there's a cap on your your potential audience, then there's a cap. That's okay. You'd rather you know stay true to that. And that's the whole idea behind Animal Bites is is uh, to have and to give your your listeners a little bit of a recap about what Animal Bites is. Uh, yeah, please go into depth about it. Yeah, I really want to yeah. hear about it. Yep. Okay, we're going to rebrand Snake Bites YouTube channel as Animal Bites TV. So, uh, okay. so it'll be the same channel, the same subscribers, everything else. Snake Bites will then be a show of Animal Bites TV. Okay, we're going to launch uh, right now. Knock on wood, if nothing gets postponed, uh, July first, and Monday through Friday, the first launch there'll be five shows. So there'll be one show a day, Monday through Friday, with Wednesday still being Snake Bites. Uh, exactly what the wow. lineup is, I, I don't want to, you know, there's a couple things we're still working out. And right now we have uh, ten shows that are pretty close to being done in production. We have five shows ready to roll. We could launch tomorrow if, if, if we wanted to. Uh, and these are animal lovers in different walks of life. So right in the beginning, it will be a little bit more heavily reptile related because that's who my audience is. Um, we're going to launch with those five weekly shows uh, that are, again, I only host one of them, which is Snake Bites. Uh, those five shows will come out. And about four to six weeks after, when we feel that those shows have taken a good stronghold and we've been able to promote them well, we'll launch the second tier of five shows. So there'll be two shows a day, Monday through Friday, ten shows a week on oh Snake Bites channel, that's, which will now be Animal That's Bites. crazy. Yeah. And, and and our goal is is to we and then we have about five other shows in just starting production that'll be ready in the fall. So uh, so our hopes are is is in the next twelve months to have thirty weekly shows um, that are produced by animal lovers uh, in their specialty, whatever that is, whether it's big cats, sharks. Um, it won't be dog and cat. We're not doing puppies or kittens or anything like that. But we're going to do, uh, uh, you know, ex- more exotic stuff, more edgy stuff. Um, you know, again, the ilks of, of you know, the Steve Irwin, Jeff Corwin's of the world. Uh, there'll be some captive breeding part of it, but it's not going to be the, the lion's share. We're really going to be more of a conservation slash wildlife type channel. Um, mm-hmm. And there will be some captive breeding things like obviously snake bites will be. There's a few others uh, that will have, have shows. I mean, the most a lot of our hosts do keep animals, you know, uh, to some extent. But there's different types of levels of that. And, and we'll get into detail as it gets closer, as we're releasing trailers and stuff like that, exactly who these producers are and what they're going to be producing. But I can say that in the next 12 months, if, if you can think of a really cool animal story, we'll probably have a host to, to be producing that show and weekly shows. And so uh, so you'll literally, you know, within a year, if, if everything goes well, you're going to have six shows a day to watch on YouTube. That'll all be between, let's say, on the low side, five minutes, on the high side, 15 minutes of, of footage. So there's going to be a lot of content out there that we're going to be producing and releasing. And um, and then we're going to keep the weekends kind of open where Saturday is going to be a free-for-all. I'm, I'm leaving this open for my producers whenever they have anything fun that they want to share, whether it's a contest, an educational, like a quick tips type of uh, thing, maybe a genetics um, lesson, you know, whatever they want to release, bloopers, whatever, we'll release it on Saturday. Some Saturdays we may have no shows. Some Saturdays we might have 10 shows. You know, it just depends on what my producers want to do uh, and what they want to release. 
maybe they have something really cool coming out and they want to release a little teaser about it. Hey, coming soon, this is coming out. We may release that type of stuff. And then the thing that I'm kind of excited about, this has really never been done on YouTube that I know of, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, is some days are going to be left for uh, a documentary or two. And we're going to actually, uh, we've already reached out to many wildlife uh, videographers that uh, have done, you know, documentary films on, on various types of wildlife. Um, you know, they've oh, never so made cool. the, yeah, never, you know, been seen on TV. You know, I mean, these are docs that just never made it anywhere. And so mm-hmm. we're going to release mm-hmm. them. You know, I mean, and hey, I know that it's a little bit a weird thing because how many people go on YouTube and watch an hour-long show, but we're going to do it on Sunday. And, and, and we're going to, you know, release one or two docs every Sunday uh, for people to watch if they want to watch it. If they don't, then they don't have to. And, uh, and of course, That's we'll so give cool, people though. the ability. Yeah, we'll give people the ability at the end of, of each of the docs to buy that, that documentary, that documentarian DVD. You know, so hopefully support him uh, to make another doc down the, the road. And then eventually, like I told you earlier, uh, we'll be actually producing some documentaries as well over the, in, in the next 12 to 18 months. As a matter of fact, I've got a... A documentary on a, uh, a trip I made to Australia about two and a half years ago that uh, is, is we're working on the post production now that'll be out and it's uh, it's a great uh, it's, it's a great uh, a bunch of I mean it's a, it's it's a true doc you know it was shot by a guy named David Wright who was uh, uh, ironically enough the producer and DP for uh, Jeff Corwin so um, so it's just a legit you know le- legit deal and uh, and we went down there we had a great time and we played with uh, you know, I got in the water with a, a big a salty named Smog. Um, you know, worked with a guy named Adam Britton who used to have a show on that geo called uh, Croc Files, and and um, you know, and uh, you know, from from crocs to to, to catching carpet pythons and, and, and doing a bunch of stuff down in Australia, all the way to to learning how to snap a, a, a whip from a guy named Nick's Whip, uh, who makes kangaroo mm-hmm. hide whips. Uh, so it was it was fun. It was an adventure, and we we filmed it, and we're we're putting it together. So that'll be our first doc that we ever put out. Uh, hopefully, you know, God willing, it'll be done uh, by midsummer. You know, and we'll we'll get that out, and mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll hopefully be commissioning more docs. And like I said, um, many of those docs will probably be uh, commissioned with other producers of animal bites. You know, they'll go out there, and you know, let's say one of my producers wants to go to South Africa and do a show on black mambas, or or go there to do a show on on cheetahs, or whatever the case may be. Uh, we'll we'll send them over. We'll do a, a really cool hour long doc and and release it on YouTube and, and DVD. So. So, so like I said, it, it, it's going to be a really fun project. It's very big. It, it's much, much, much bigger than, than Snake Bites. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, everyone will enjoy it. I really do. I hope that all those animal lovers out there like me and you and all your listeners that, that really loved watching, you know, the old Steve Irwins of the world will, will really love this new venture. And, hey, I'll start by saying – our first shows aren't going to be the best shows we've ever done. You know, I mean, we've got some great talent. The production's really good. Uh, we're going to get better. You know, even the producers, when we release their first shows, a lot of these guys, you know, are, are fresh. I mean, they, they have the passion. They have the enthusiasm. But they're still a little raw, just like Snake Bites was when it first started. And we do have, you know, and I can't really talk about it at this moment, but I will down the road, we do have a handful of TV guys that are doing shows for us as well, guys that you will, you will definitely know when you hear their names. You know, you'll be like, oh, my God, that's, that's awesome. awesome that they, you know, that they have a show coming out on Animal Bites after watching them on, on, on TV. So, uh, you know, and, I mean, from the likes of, you know, Animal Planet, Nat Geo, A&E TV, Discovery Channel, I mean, some pretty nice hitters. So uh, these guys are all producing shows for us. So uh, so down the road, it's only going to get better and better and better. And, and our hopes are, um, you know, a year from now, uh, 
people will go, Animal Planet who? <laughs> so, right, uh, we're, exactly. We're gonna, you know, take, take that space. I, I love the idea. I'm excited already, Brian, because, you know, that's something I grew up on. I grew up on national, the good National Geographic shows, the Marty Stauffer shows, the, um, you know, Wild America from, you know, all this, you know, David Attenborough shows, Dr. Yep, Stowe, you know, yeah. I grew up on all that, and I miss that. And I think yeah. the new the new generation doesn't even know that. So I think yeah. that this is going to be big, very big. And and I like the I you know I of course nobody's going to be the next Steve Irwin. Do yeah, do it your way. You're going to be the you'll be the new Brian Barnes. That's that's what we're all trying to do. And people have to realize, you know, just be better than you were yesterday. You don't have to be the next anybody. Just be better than how you were yesterday, right? I mean that's the that's the motto yeah, pretty well, much, right, Brian? Absolutely. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And I always say, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, you know what I mean? You can you can <laughs> just get a different spin on the wheel, you know. You, the idea is that, you know, I tell a story that a lot of people don't realize. Do you know that when Steve Irwin went to Discovery Channel and pitched his show, um, this was, you know, pre-Animal Planet. Animal Planet didn't even exist at the time. He came in and said, I want to do animal document, documentaries where I'm on film 90% of the time. And they said, you know, interacting with the animals, and they said, hey, listen, documentary's been going on since the beginning of television, and it's 90% animal, 10% presenter, you know, like I.E. David Attenborough or Matt Boyd right. or, or whatever the case is. And Steve said, no, 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 I want to do it this way. They said, he'll never work. And look what happened. He became the most popular animal presenter of all time. Huge. So, so, so the point is, is that. Well, exactly, and his passion, you know. So so my point is, is, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just have to take a different spin on it. You know, take something a different direction than people have already done. And I think that uh, the web is the future. The web is the now, you know. It really is. And and um, and we want to own and occupy that space. That's the idea behind Animal Bites is, is to, to do something that hasn't been done before. You know, there's there's a ton of, you know, this, this is, again, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. You know, you know some of your listeners will know networks like Machinima, uh, you know, Funny or Die with Will Ferrell, um, you know, the list goes on and on, you know, Mom's View, uh, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on from YouTube, these micro networks that are, you know, like I said, Funny or Die with Will Ferrell is just a conglomerate of, of funny videos that, that people put out. Yep. We're doing the same thing with animals. That's all it is. We're just going to try to get yep. a group of people that are excited about animals. We're going to put them out in one thing so that you don't have to search for YouTube you know, and, and, and maybe not find, you know, I, I found a guy who I'm in talks with right now down in Australia that um, uh, did, did some TV stuff years ago, and he has some amazing, amazing footage, and I'm working, you know, I'm talking to him now about the potential of, of him joining Animal Bites, and, um, and, and literally, I just stumbled across this guy's video on a related video to a video I was watching about animals. And, and he has, I mean, this is like incredible, incredible wildlife footage. He has 87 subscribers, and each of his videos has less than 100 views. And I just Aww. thought to myself, this guy blows my video content away, and he's got 100 views. You know, that's the problem. We're going we're gonna to take these people, and we're going to bring them together, and we're going to bundle them into one network, and we're going to just let you nice. guys watch them over and over and over again. And, uh, and I think it's going to be amazing, and I think we're going to be groundbreaking. And I really, truly believe that two years from now, you know, these, the animal planets of the world and the Nat Geos of the world will look back and go, how did we let this guy, this snake poop cleaner from Michigan, do this to us? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because oh, when you I think of so. it, 
when you think of animal programming, I want people to think of animal bites, and that's my main yeah. focus uh, right now in the future. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna work diligently hard. I mean, I've I've always been a guy, and um, and anyone that follows me on on Facebook or Twitter knows this. You know, I'm a guy that believes in what they call guerrilla marketing, which is basically means that every person is just as important as the next person. Every person yeah. you go after, you know, when you tweet me, you're gonna get a tweet back. When you Facebook me, you're gonna get a Facebook back you know and that's what i'm going to at least like your post it's saying hey i read it i appreciate it you know what i mean you're never going to you know and and that's the way i approach snake bites that's the way i approach bhb because i'm so thankful for the people's support you know that they give me because the one thing i've known in life whether it's bhb reptiles or snake bites tv and, and hopefully animal bites um is i'm only as successful as the people that support me you know, and I get yep. that. You know, I mean, if people don't buy snakes meat, I don't yep. pay my bills. If people don't watch snake bites, I don't become popular. You know, on and on and on. So, so, uh, so we're going to take that same exact approach to animal bites and 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 be thankful for each and every one of those views and uh, and continue to push. And we're gonna we're gonna uh, be able to break down boundaries that you can't even imagine. I'm I'm just 100% sure of it, especially with some of the heavy hitting talent that we have coming up over the next six to eight months on animal bites. You know, guys that literally have monster followings. I mean, you know, when these guys start. Uh, you know, talking about animal bites on, on their Twitter feeds and, and on their TV appearances, uh, people are going to be turning their heads really quick. I think you can pull it off. I totally do. Let's go ahead and grab this caller. Caller from the uh, from the 253 area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi. This, this is Elton. Listen, Brian, I've been a big fan of yours for a few years now, and I've been following Snake Bites TV, and, and I, I like the way it's been progressing, although I, I do like uh, a snake, uh, snakes biting Chewy now and then. <laughs> but but how, old, how old is Satan? You're, you're, she's a Burmese python, right? She is, yeah. She's, uh, she'll be seven years this summer. Yeah, seven years old this summer. So she's a youngster. She is. She's got a long way to go. Yeah, she's got a long way yeah. to go. I'm really looking forward to your new show. This is going to be fantastic. I'm going to tell everybody... So yeah. Well, thank you. And that's what it's all about is, is, again, you know, building that army, you know, people like you telling other people and then them telling other people. That's how things grow. And that's what's beautiful about social media and, uh, and I, I can't thank you enough for your support. And, and when it comes to Satan, she'll uh, she'll live her whole life with me. You know, I mean, I will continue to take care of her forever. And and I love her to death. She's certainly uh, one of my favorite snakes. I I, uh, I, uh, I feel very very blessed to to have an animal that's so magnificent as her, even if she has uh, got an unbelievably cantankerous attitude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Let's go ahead and grab the caller from the three three six area code. Three three six. You're live on Declamation Radio. Hey, what's up, Dave? It's Glenn. Hey, Glenn. How are you, bud? All right, man. Y'all doing all right tonight? Yeah, pretty good. Oh, uh, man, I was, a, I was a big fan of the Jeff Corwin experience and Steve Irwin growing up. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. want to say that it's nice to be able to turn on YouTube when I get home or something and just be able to stream all the videos and just sit there for a couple of hours, you know, and just watch stuff that used to come on Animal Planet back in the day. Yeah, but it's... It's just nice to be able to do that, man, because we yeah. used to have Jeff Corwin, yeah. but he's kind of moved on to more of the ocean discovery stuff now, 
and he's not so much into yeah. the reptiles, so we really yeah. have no more reptile stuff to watch, except yeah. for your show. Yeah. Well, but, no, uh, and, and yeah, and I thank you for that, and I think you'll really be happy with the the, the future of this stuff. And you're right. What it is is, and, and I, I'm, you can go on in a second here, but what it is is that the, the the networks of the world just aren't buying that material anymore. As a matter of fact, a good friend of mine, Nigel Marvin, who used to be on Animal Planet all the time, and and, and you know he was a producer for David Attenborough, and and then started doing his own productions for for many years. Um, you know, I talked to him, you know, six eight months ago, and, and he stopped pitching his show. Uh, to any to any American television, he's still very popular over in the UK and China, all over Europe. Uh, but he is not seen at all on television in America. And he basically said, uh, "I don't even pitch it to him anymore. I stopped wasting my time even pitching to America." So, uh, so I don't think that we're going to see any time in the near future that trend coming back. So uh, we have to we have to take it over to the internet, and and, and that's where we can do what we want to do. So I, I really really appreciate you know that you're on board, and and I hope you'll be proud of what we do. Oh, yeah, man, I'm very proud. You know, Jeff Corwin got me, you know, into the love of reptiles when I was at a very young age, man. I hope maybe I just had a newborn son. I hope maybe one day maybe your videos can help my son go up the same path I am. Well, you know, I mean, it's pretty good. Yeah, well, you know, and to hear that that type of thing is is what keeps me inspired right there. You know what I mean? To know that that we could potentially be um, that have, have that kind of impact on, on your child and, and other children out there. I mean, that's what it's all about. And um, big responsibility and frankly, too, huh, Brian? Well, well, it is. But you know what? I I take it very seriously. And 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 quite frankly, that had a lot to do with the decision to to, to switch the format of the show up a little bit. Was was really kids. Um, when I started talking to parents that started to tell me, listen, I've got to watch your show before my 13-year-old can watch it or my 10-year-old can watch it, it made me realize I need to change. You know what I mean? I want I want parents to, to not even think about worrying about them watching my show. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, Snake Bites, go ahead and watch it. Enjoy it. Um, and, and that's why we got away. We used to, when we swore before, we always beeped it out, but we don't ever swear anymore. Uh we don't do risky scenes like we used to do, and, and obviously we've gotten away from, from the chewy bite scenes. Um, and, and that really has to do more with the kids than anything else. And we just didn't want kids to to, uh, to have to worry about their parents being upset about watching the show. We want, we want the kids on board because they're our future, and uh, they need more to me than anything, really, honestly. Well, I appreciate mm-hmm. it, man, all the work you do. I know it's a lot. It's probably real time-consuming. <laughs> it is, but you know what? I love it, man. I, I'm not going to between running the shop and driving back and forth and all that. Are yeah, we still going to uh, be getting the 20 minute shows for a while? You know, it, 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 we got this uh, this show coming out this week is going to be about 16 minutes. Uh, I'd like to, to get them down to the 15 minute range. To be totally honest with you, uh, sometimes it's just really hard to keep them down. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, last week's show with Jason, um, the, the original cut of that was 48 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great, and I'll take it. We, we to, yeah, I know, but you know what the problem is? Is that, that it's hard to get people to view. It's like I, like I was talking about the documentaries on Sunday for Animal Bites. It's going to be hard to get more than a couple thousand, four or five, six thousand people maybe that will watch an hour-long show uh, on YouTube. It's, mm-hmm. it's just as hard to get that. Um, although we're going to hopefully build a base. You know, my hopes are is that you know a year from now people are going to be like, oh, it's Sunday. I got to watch what's on Animal Bites. You know, and they, they just build that into their Sunday afternoon, you know, that hour or two hours that they want to spend watching a really cool doc. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think you're ever going to see us go back to 10-minute shows, but I think you're going to see it, uh, it, it, it being in the 14, 
show range. I mean, that's really my wheelhouse where I feel real happy with. Uh, but yeah. uh, but I do love her. But I, listen, this is what I told all my producers for Animal Bites, and I've said this to the people that are in my production team. I'd rather have a really awesome 20-minute show than a crappy 10-minute show. So yeah. so really, the, the content dictates the length to me, you know what I mean? Although I'd like to keep it in 14, 16 minutes because I think it's a demographic that works the best for us. Uh, I'm not going to shy away from a 20-minute show if I feel the content. As a matter of fact, you know, it's kind of sad. One of our lowest-rated shows in the last year was my favorite show we've ever shot, which was the Sean uh, Hathlet show down at, down at Croc Manor. It was, number one, my favorite show that we've ever shot in six years. And, uh, you know, from the shooting standpoint, from the, the production standpoint, and the end product standpoint, I think it was the best show we've ever put out. And uh, it has the lowest views out of any show I've done in a year. So that just goes <laughs> to show you sometimes how that stuff works out, you know. But, uh, um, but so our wheelhouse, but we'll, we'll keep on putting out whatever <laughs> we need to. Uh, and then as far as animal bites go, the majority of those shows are going to start at 8 to 10 minutes. Some are going to, you know, pop it as far as 12 minutes. We're going to really try to keep them lower until we build an audience. You know, and as we build an audience, they may go to 14, 15 minutes, just like snake bites. All right, man. We're, we're looking forward to July the 1st, man. Amen, man. Thank you so much. Please, please, please uh, share the word and, and let me know what you think, please. No problem, man. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. Thanks, Glenn. All right, we've got a call here from the 803 area code. This will, this will be our last call uh, for tonight. Call from the 803. You're live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey, David and uh, Brian, how are you guys doing? Good, doing good. Well. How are you? This is Dylan. Um, hey, Dylan. And I just want to say happy Mother's Day to everyone. Amen. Yep. And uh, and I'm really, really excited about Animal Bites and everything you're doing. It, it's awesome. Thank you, and, Dylan. Uh, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Um, and I had, a, I had one request for you, Brian. Um, sure. Uh could you post a – we'll make a video on your – well, when you get time about the scaleless ball pythons because I'm really excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, when I have a bunch, uh, I, I, you know, I always try to say I don't like to go to the well too often because people get sick of things. Uh, but mm-hmm. I recently did a, a, a Vine video on them uh, with, with one of them eating. Um, you know, and I've, I've done some Vine stuff with, with them moving around and, and, you know, showing how, how you know, normal they are. Uh, I've updated them a couple times over the, the last, you know, five, six months, but I'll, I'll certainly revisit it. I mean, my gosh, they're still, you know, probably my most prized possession as far as animals go. <laughs> uh, and I'm so excited about them. But I always feel like, you know, I don't want to overdo ball pythons, you know, because I do so much stuff with ball pythons. And then I don't want to overdo one one particular ball python, which is scaleless. So so it's, it's funny. Sometimes I want to stay away because I get flack. It's It's funny when you're producing a show. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm sure David knows this. It, it, you get you get flack if you overdo something, and you get flack if you don't do it enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you know, yeah. like, oh, like, yeah. like ball pythons are the perfect example. People hate me for showing ball pythons on snake bites, but then when I don't show ball pythons, people hate me because I didn't show ball pythons. <laughs> but that's so, what you uh, do. You know what I mean? You love them. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's the thing, you know. I mean, but uh, but you try to let it out. So so absolutely, Dylan, I will. Uh, We'll be updating uh, um, my 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 uh, scaleless ball python, and also, like I said, check me out on Vine. You know, it's uh, BHV Reptiles with my Vine. Um, I post stuff on there all the time, and that way I can literally, when someone, because I'll do that whether it's on Vine or even Instagram, but someone actually like requests something like, "Hey, can you post a picture of this?" 
bam, I Instagram it, you know, uh, yeah. or, or tweet. Uh, and then now, and, and now I'm getting, you know, like Vine has become a new obsession of mine. I'm, I'm starting to Vine a whole lot more, and, and it's really cool to be able to just take, like, really quick, cool videos of Vine stuff and, and, and share them all quickly. Whereas with Snake Bites, it's, you know, number one, we shoot four to six weeks out. So if you requested me to do something with Snake Bites today, Dylan, it would take a month and a half before you would see it, even if I shot it tomorrow. Oh, uh, and really? oftentimes, you know, oftentimes I'm shooting, you know, two or three weeks down the road with ideas so so if like today i said oh dylan said let's do scale so i'm going to do that i probably won't even film that for two or three weeks and then it's <laughs> going to be four to six weeks after that before you actually see it so it'd be two two and a half months so so with with vine and instagram and twitter i can do it today you know bam it's done so um and that's what i try to do is i try to kind of you know appease everyone what they want crosswise and then hit the, the snake bites down the road yeah um i have one question um where do you guys think the market is for like, is, is the market good right now, as in, like, a reptile hobby as a whole? Like, do you think animals should be more expensive or less expensive, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, That's I, an hour I long think that, discussion right there. <laughs> I can sum it up pretty quick, though. I think, uh, you know, the, the, the market always sets the price, okay? So, so um, you know, are, are animals too expensive? They aren't if that's what people want to pay for them. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, ultimately, I always tell people that, that you know, it's not up to me what something goes for. It's up to the person that's willing to buy it. So so if something is cheaper than what we think it should be, it's only because the market can only bear that price. So, um, sure, I would love everything to be worth more money. <laughs> it would be great for me. Uh, but uh, but, I, but I, don't, I don't feel it's a bad thing. And I think that, you know, although there's negatives here and there, there certainly is uh, – I think that demand, and this is what I've said in a nutshell, is that, you know, if you look at, you know, a business, every business has to do with supply and demand, you know, whether you're supplying a service or a product, it doesn't matter. Um, and if you looked at a graph of a supply and demand graph, I don't think that you would see any tapering off of the demand of reptiles. I think you would see a very steady incline of the demand of reptiles. The, where the problem comes in is there's certain animals that have been overproduced and the supply line has crossed the demand line, causing the market to turn. Mm. And there's no doubt that over the last 25 years of me doing this professionally, I've seen times where there's been a buyer's market and times where there's been a seller's market. Right now, uh, as a whole, uh, it's more of a buyer's market, but there's certainly pockets within the hobby that is still extremely seller's market friendly. Yeah. But, uh, but, but overall, I would say that it's more of a buyer's market than a seller's market right now. Well, I got to go because I got to cook my mom dinner. <laughs> yep. Thanks, Happy Dylan. Thanks day. for calling in. Right. Yeah, you Thanks guys have a nice night, all right? You too, man. All right. All right. All right. Hey, Brian, I think we did a great job. We're coming to the end of the show now. and uh, Wow, I mean, I, I, you obviously, nobody can, can say you don't have the energy and enthusiasm for this in the drive. That's exactly <laughs> what we need to to not only inspire others, but if you didn't have this energy, I don't think you would have been able to pull off snake bites, and I don't think you're gonna you would have been able to pull off animal bites. I have a feeling, I have an awesome, excellent feeling that you are gonna you are gonna nail this. I really do. Well, hey. I, I have well, no, I I have no it, doubt. Well, you know, David, I appreciate. I, you know, number one, I appreciate you having me on tonight. I appreciate all your support, and uh, and I can tell you whether I succeed or fail will not be from a lack of trying. <laughs> you know, I will, mm-hmm. I will, uh, out, I will outwork anybody anytime uh with the things i'm passionate about and i could not be more passionate about uh working with animals and and producing snake bites and now producing animal bites i mean my passion uh is is 
more than I could ever express to people. It keeps me up all night long. I can barely sleep. So, um, so uh, mm-hmm. it's been a blast being on. It's been a blast sharing uh, my experience, my passion, and my enthusiasm for the future. And I really, uh, I, I can't tell you how excited I am to be a part of the gecko world. I'm still learning, and I will continue to look to people like you that have tread, you know, that have kind of trendsetted the way. And and uh, and, and and I will never uh, disrespect your guys's. Uh, you know the, the path that you've laid for me, uh, but I'm excited to be a part of the gecko world, and uh, and and I'm sure I'll I'll I'll, I'll make everyone proud in that as much as uh, as I possibly can. But uh, but yeah, the future is great, man, and and I, I'm just I'm just blessed to be a part of it. All right, cool. And and Brian, listen, on your road with leopard geckos, don't forget we have an archive of a bunch of awesome shows with all the movers and shakers in the leopard gecko world for you to listen to. Exactly. So if you're bored, how you know, you know when you're on a long drive or something, just uh, listen to us, uh, you know, talking Absolutely. about. Oh, I, I awesome guarantee animals. you, I will. I'll be. I, I've already listened to some, so I'll, I'll go back and listen to more. I have no doubt about that as I'm learning my way through it. But uh, I'm having a blast. Awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just loving it to death. So thank you so much for everything. Absolutely, Brian. Thanks again, and have a great night. And uh, lots of luck with everything that's coming down the road for you. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon, David. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to everyone soon, man. All right. Take care, Brian. Later. All right, folks. Wow. Culmination of an amazing episode. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play the outro and I'm going to come back with my closing remarks. Hang tight, folks. Gecko Nation Radio is a David Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herp community with amazing geckos and snakes. Please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. All right, folks. Um, Well, my closing remarks are this. In order to take this to any kind of really serious level, you have to have energy, drive, enthusiasm, and overall love, not only for the animals, for the community, for the industry, for the work, for everything that encompasses this whole thing. And there's so much involved in it. Now, if you're passionate about herpetoculture, okay, you can take this as far as you want. You know, you're going to hit all kinds of roadblocks along the way. You're going to learn all kinds of life lessons, um, things that you, you can have experiences that are good, that are terrible, but that's the whole point. That's the experience, okay? Um, 
maybe you have enthusiasm and incredible drive and love for something else. Maybe it's not herpetoculture. Whatever that is that you can't stop thinking about, that you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing on your mind, that's what you guys should pursue, okay? I'm not an expert in anything, but I am following my dream with herpetoculture. I'm on a different path. I'm not trying to copy him. I'm not trying to copy anybody. I'm doing my own thing, all right? Um, and try to try to do it your own. Don't try to, you know, hang on others and, and so and I try to, you know, work it and build it on your own because you're going to have a much bigger sense of pride. Now, of course, with anything, you're going to need help along the way at some point. And I wouldn't be afraid to ask for help from others if I were you. Um, but also be careful, okay? So um, I guess that will be it for tonight, guys. I, I'm really excited about how well the show went. I'm really enthusiastic about what Brian's got coming down the line. Kind of gives me a nostalgic feeling about, you know, the types of things that I watched when I was a kid growing up. And those those television, television shows, a lot of you younger people that are listening to this show, you guys don't even know how great these documentaries were. Um, go online, try to look up David Attenborough, Marty Stauffer. The Channel 13 used to have all kinds of incredible shows where, you know, they would go, every show would be different. There'd be one about insects, about uh, turtles, lizards, and just marine animals. Fascinating, fascinating video. And this was done all back when technology wasn't as good as it is today. But you got to see how well these people pulled it off. So um, I hope you guys can find that and appreciate it and learn from it. Um, well, this is the end of the show. I think we did a great job. I want to thank everybody that called in. I want to thank everybody that was in the chat room and uh, everybody that's uh, supporting the show means so much to me. And of course, all the great people in Gecko Nation. Groups over, I don't know, 20, almost 2,200 people, maybe more right now. Most positive group I've ever been in on Facebook. Just amazing people, amazing camaraderie going on in there. Also check out the new Gecko Nation marketplace. So we're going to move our sales you guys have geckos or animals you want to sell, um, we're going to try to make the same concept of a family-friendly, safe group to sell your animals. We're going to try to do the same thing with the Gecko Nation Marketplace. So you can check that group out now and apply for membership as well. And, uh, and that'll be it, folks. Hope everybody has a good night. Until next time, here's a song to take us out. Thanks for listening.
With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.